Coming to you from high atop our studios in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're listening to Tech Move. This is episode 24. In today's show, we talk about the GoPro Hero and all its competitors. We discuss updates with Premiere Pro, Sony's FS5, and iOS 9. We also introduce a brand new segment in the podcast called Fix It, Even If It Ain't Broke. I'm Rod Louie, and with me is Keith Moreau. Get ready. It's time for another exciting episode of Tech Move. Let's go! The incredible Rod Louie and the even more amazing Keith Moreau and Tech Move. Keith, thank you so much for being here with me. Otherwise, the show would be very boring just listening to me talk uh, about absolutely nothing. So thank you very much, Keith. You are welcome, the incredible Rod Louie. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. And the even more incredible Keith Moreau. That's right. That is right. <laughs> Folks, we want to thank you so much for joining us here on today's episode of Tech Move. Uh, and like we mentioned in our intro, I think this is uh, episode 24. So uh, we are, uh, as per usual, right up to date. And um, <laughs> who, who knows when we're going to generate episode 25. <laughs> That's neither here nor there, folks, because we've got a lot to talk about. You know, the last time we talked and and uh, in our last episode, it was like over three hours long because we had so much stuff to get through. And, uh, you know, today could very well be about the same thing, wouldn't you say, Keith? We got a lot to go through. We got a lot. Last episode was three hours and ten minutes. Holy mackerel. Um, Although I, I was checking um, the iTunes feed from Apple and it said two, I think two o something. Uh, right, I saw it, that too. Yeah, and it was which is exactly the same as the last episode um, because oh. I mistyped. Well, I didn't update the uh, the time on the XML file for the podcast. Good. So <laughs> so it tricked everybody. It tricked yeah, everybody. Everyone I thought it was going to be in. a quick one. Yeah, they go. Oh yes, I can digest and listen two commutes. <laughs> And then they're at the two-hour mark and going, why is this still going on? Why, why do I have this? to still sit in my car? <laughs> when is this going to end? Right. <laughs> A lot of people like, like run off the road in ditches. <laughs> Little do they know there's another <laughs> full hour to go. So I, after this oh, podcast, I'm, this recording today, I'm going to uh, update it. Hopefully, it'll update in iTunes. Sorry about that, Rod. Oh, there's so many little things to. Well, uh, do. once you hear from my lawyers, uh, <laughs> we can talk about apologies after that. But that's uh, I, I find that to be OK. Very good. Very good. Well, hey, you know what? Uh, tech move is all about false advertising. And so, uh, you know, why? Why change anything now? Uh, hey, you know, there are a couple of things I want to uh, ask you about in our a little start here. You know, folks, what we usually like to do at this part of the show is kind of catch up with one another and Mm -hmm. uh, talk about things that have caught our eye that aren't actual real segments. You know, they're not long enough to actually go into real segments. So we just want to touch on a couple of things. And um, 
you know, I, w- I wanted to kind of touch base first because uh, Keith had sent me this very, very interesting, uh, uh, I, I guess it's what, a blog post or something about, uh, something like that? Oh, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was actually on the Adobe, um, so Adobe sponsored uh, site. It's, it's an their, Adobe sponsored site. Yeah, it's their forums for, for product support where mostly users are helping each other. It's kind of like the Apple discussion site, but it's for Adobe. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, folks, if you remember in our last episode, Keith was having uh, a little bit of problems with Premiere Pro 2015. Yeah. Uh, and, and the update there uh, is... Uh, Keith sending me a little screenshot of uh, of somebody else not related to us who had, uh, shall we say, expressed their concern with the update. Uh, Keith, you want to take it from here and kind of share with us uh, <laughs> what w- what this person had had indicated? Pretty much the same thing you did during yeah. our last podcast. Let's yeah. let's re- let's review and and remind the kids at home uh, what's happening. Uh, I think well. Basically, there's a new, pretty new release of Premiere Pro 2000, it's Premiere Pro CC, the Creative Cloud 2015. Right. Uh, I think it came out like in May or June. I'm, I mean, it's been out for a while. <laughs> it's, it's not just a brand new release. Right. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I've I tried using it a little bit, and I I found there's too it was too buggy for me to use, and it was annoying because it because it actually wasted a lot of my time. And I talked about it in the last episode and. Sorry, Adobe. I love your stuff. I use it all the time, but this particular release, you know, it, it should have You been. know what? And I think that's the reason why our episode was three hours long. So, uh, <laughs> because, because of the rant going on with that thing. Yeah. So, um, I got a notified about this um, from the Adobe forums. It was from one of the users there, and the title of the title of the whole discussion, because there's lots of people chiming in on this discussion, is. Premier Pro CC 2015. Why the hell are we paying for? Which I don't know if the grammar is the best. I think when you're really that mad, your grammar goes out the window. Exactly. But why the hell are we paying for? Maybe they're combining two things like, why the hell are we doing this? And what the hell are we paying for? I don't right. know. Maybe they were combining two thoughts. Well, you know what? In those in in in, in those uh, blog post titles, they, you have character limitations. You can't go on and on. <laughs> That's true. So that extra e uh, really adds. It's kind of like right. Twitter. You can't yes. can't be above a certain. Correct. But anyway, um, yeah. So this person, I don't want to read the whole thing, but they basically just kind of said the same thing. They're just terrified of using 2015. They've, they, it's ruined a lot of projects. They're just, you know, they've spent a lot of a lot of time and they've wasted a lot of time on it. Uh, let me read that real quick part. <laughs> I, I I don't know what to do. We edit seven days a week, ten plus hours a day. We have projects lined up through 2017. You know, basically, what am I going to do here? <laughs> yeah, and it says, when is it safe to upgrade my software? <laughs> Which is true. It's it's kind of like, how much experimenting do you want to do on little? unimportant projects before you you make the commitment right you know it's 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 okay i guess if you're a hobbyist and you can afford to be down for a while right i'm just gonna wait for this song to can you hear the song in the background no i thought it was a plane (laughs) there's somebody he's got a long long oh i hear it long song it's quite loud this is the deck being built next door it was quiet all day until we started recording Oh, that's terrific! That's great. So that'll that'll interrupt everything. That's uh, awesome. Hopefully, he'll he's done with his long thing. I doubt it. But uh, anyway, as I was saying, 
you know, if, if you're a hobbyist, maybe you can kind of afford to fool around with the software and if it crashes, whatever. But, but if you're actually making money on this and your livelihood is, is, and you've deadlines, you know, you can't really upgrade the software until it's stable enough to use. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm paranoid now. I'm like saving every three, three minutes. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the, F, the final cut pro seven days and six and seven days. Cause that was, unfortunately it was pretty unstable software <laughs> and there were, there were, you know, you, you just really had to save, hit the, uh, the command S button like every five seconds. Yeah. So, th- but, um, so anyway, but the thing was like after my rant last week, uh, on the last podcast, uh, about 2015, I, I noticed that the Adobe cloud had all these updates and one of them was premier pro and the, you know, when it looked at the uh, the little release notes for it, it says fix as many important bugs. So I thought, okay, I'm going to upgrade it. It's worth a try. You know, okay. spent a little time upgrading it. <clears throat> and I was actually kind of hopeful that, you know, fixing very uh, many important bugs was going to fix all the bugs that I've and all these other people have been experiencing. Right. So I, I, I launch a 2015 project that I haven't converted back to 2014 yet because that's a pain. Because basically, what you do is you take your 2015 project, you export it as Final Cut Pro XML, and then you go into an earlier version of Premiere Pro, like 2014, and you open it, import the XML into it. And the problem is, is that it loses a lot of the character of the Premiere project. Like all your folders go away. Uh, you just you can usually just import a sequence at a time rather than the whole project, and um, it's just a pain. It's messy. Wow. You, you do get all the, the, the links to the media in the sequence, mm. but that's pretty much all you get. So, um, it's, wow. it's, it's, it's very, it, you lose a little bit of work, <clears throat> but, um, so I decided to just, you know, continue on with this 2015 project and I try to play the sequence and I get the, you know, black playback <laughs> after the update. Which which was the original problem, correct? Yes, yes, that was the <laughs> so problem. They didn't, fi- so they didn't fix it at all. I don't think they fixed it. There were some <laughs> in this particular thread. There were some workarounds for this black screen, which I tried all of them, and they didn't work. But I did quit the program, restarted it, and then there was no black screen. So maybe you just need to restart the program twice to clear stuff out for all those important bug fixes to uh. to kick in. Maybe. Should I try it again on an important project? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What a quandary. What a quandary. But it, that's okay because I don't I don't think I'm missing for me and I'm I'm not missing a ton with the the lack of 2015. 2014 is is more than adequate. I'm doing projects they're working well. Um and I, pretty stable at that point, right? It seems pretty stable. Um and uh, I think what 2015 gets me is that morph cut, which wasn't working for me, as I said. And then I guess there's the Lumetri, um speed grade is kind of more integrated with with, with Premiere Pro. The co- this advanced color correction. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the 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 Adobe version of 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 Resolve, of DaVinci Resolve is kind of more integrated in Premiere Pro. So that I guess I'm missing those two things, but it's okay. I, I'm not. I'm not overly excited about jumping back in. So yeah, I I I, th- I think that probably 
like anything, you, you probably want to wait to see what other people's yeah. disasters are going to be and yeah. before you actually go in again. Yeah, I I did ed- I did start another edit um, on another project that I had not completed, uh, not converted to 2014 on 2015, and actually I was able to kind of get through it. Like I didn't experience the black screen of death on these on this project, so maybe it's getting better. Mm-hmm. I'm holding hope. You know, I'm gonna just cautiously start using it a little bit more and more. I don't think I'm going to start new projects with it. I'm going to just limp along finishing the projects, the 2015 projects I have, kind of testing it, testing the waters that way. Right. And then and then we'll see. I'm yeah. I'm going to be very cautious. Oh, I, I, I would think so. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of buggy software that has sold probably literally billions of copies. Yes. Um, so this week for me, this week was tax week. Um <laughs> earlier in the week right and and because this is october 15th uh, actually it's today is october 16th yesterday was the deadline for your taxes if you filed the extension like if you were like like late and you filed your extension in in april of this year you got up until october 15th to really file it right and uh and so i used TurboTax. TurboTax. Yeah. What iteration are they at now? Like TurboTax 950 <laughs> or something now? It's probably 950, but the year, they usually just do it by year. So this, right. is, this was 2014 taxes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, and there's different, but there are different um, levels of TurboTax. So there's the kind of basic level for the cheapest amount. Right. I think they're kind of giving that away now. <clears throat> but then there's like the, then there's the deluxe and then there's the home and business and then there's pr- the premier. Yeah. So I think I got the home and business one, which is... I, I, I think that they're, like, the the most basic one is pretty much, like, an easy form, and then, like, the more complicated stuff, you just kind of move up into those different grades, and then they allow you to do more things. I guess so. To be honest with you... Yeah. I think they're all the same. But <laughs> <laughs> I think they just ask you more stupid questions, but the result <laughs> is the same. Like, they, you still go to the same forms, you still get all, you still input all the same information. They right. just, they take, they just waste more of your time by saying, are you sure you did this? You could get more deductions. Do you fall into these forms? Are you a farmer? Are you a, you know, have you adopted 20 kids this year? You know, did you move from 15 different states and, and burn your houses in each one and then leave? You know, no, then you don't fall into the special class. Go on. Exactly. But anyway, but, uh. Farmers farmers get a lot of attention in TurboTax. I don't know if you knew this, but I didn't know that. No, that that's good to know. <laughs> Apparently, farmers are a special class of people in this country. Well, tax well they, they well they certainly are. And to our farmers out there <laughs> who listen to the Tech Move podcast, we get greatly appreciate. Why don't you tell us how you feel about to, this year's tar- TurboTax? To Bob the farmer, the only <laughs> the only Tech Move listener, you know, in his in his combine listening to. These podcasts and his headphones as he goes back and forth he's with a plowing, it. yeah, the plowing, going back and forth in his GPS controlled combine where he basically just sits and listens to podcasts. <laughs> How do you feel about TurboTax? <laughs> Actually, they're like that now. You know the the farmer, the combines, they're just yeah. all computerized. Like oh, they yeah. don't e- they don't have to drive them. Oh, I, 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 I mean, and and. That is what is hurting our migrant workers, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And that's why today I'm announcing my candidacy for the President of the United States because I, I, I can't see this go continuing on like this. I think Terrible. you're probably going to win. I, I, I have just as good of a chance as anybody else, I'll tell you that much. 
so you may ask me, what does TurboTax have to do with Mac software? And well, you know, actually, Keith, I, I wasn't going to ask you that at all because it's it, there's no way you can correlate this whatsoever except that you run it on a Mac computer. So. I run it on a Mac. And so. you know what's more fantastic? It has it doesn't have the slightest thing to do with digital cinema photography, filmmaking, or any of the other stuff we talk about. But let's talk about TurboTax anyway. Go ahead. So, well, you asked me what, you know, have I ever considered using an accountant and, you know, yes. rather than doing it yourself? Uh, and, and, folks, the reason why is because I do hear uh, these sob stories, not just from you, Keith, but from other uh, folks that I know who, who get these extensions. And, you know, April till October, you know, is a kind of a long time, right? But yet... It's always on October <laughs> that you that they everybody rides that extension out till. Yeah. So I just find that so comical. It's I just pretty comical. Love it. I love it. I think it's kind of the personality, like the psychological profile. Yes. If you're if you're like a procrastinator, then you file an extension, and because you're a procrastinator, you wait until October fifteenth to actually do anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> So great! I just it's love just it. One thing goes to another, but it's terrific. Yeah, I actually have filed on time. I think once in the last ten years, so well, I feel good the, about that. That is, and that that that's an important piece of history right there. But but you asked me why I don't use an accountant. So yeah. I I used to use an accountant a long time okay. ago. You know, okay. professionally when I had studio business and stuff, and then after right. I even did it for a while. But I found that what I was doing, I was giving all the information in a nice package to my accountant and he right. was entering it in turbo into TurboTax. Right. That's basically what he was doing. And I was paying him what three or four hundred dollars for that mm -hmm, service. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I figured, well, I can enter stuff into TurboTax myself. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is true. Yeah. It is true. The theoretically, it 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 it's not going to take that long, you know, like mm -hmm. half an hour to enter these figures in. Right. So th I say theoretically because you know, in the same vein as the buggy software, the buggy, you know, CC 2015 software, right. TurboTax, for the Mac at least, is a piece of <laughs> doo-doo. <laughs> it's a piece of doo-doo. It's not great, huh? It's not it's, great. It. I don't know. I think they're still programming in, like, some ancient like programming language like Pascal or or Fortran or something or maybe ba basic. <laughs> I think I think the source code is in basic. I'm not and I think it's just built upon I think like all the programmers that originally I mean TurboTax has been around forever, right? So I think yes, all those programmers has. have died. <laughs> and they just they have people that don't know how to program just kind of like like slapping on another patch on the TurboTax. And just, another cha patch. just change all the headings to the 2014, then next yeah. year 2015. I and think so that's on and all so they forth. do. And then they, it's, oh, this doesn't work. And, you know, the modern modern computers don't use this programming language anymore. What can we do? Oh, we'll just like cross compile it into this other language, but we'll still use the original. And anyway, I don't know exactly what's going on. But this is the, the biggest pile of doo doo software <laughs> ever. And. <clears throat> It's it. So what? It, I don't have you have you used TurboTax recently? I yourself? have not used it in a uh, in a long while. Okay, no, I okay. Have not. So you're one of those you know professional people that just take it easy and. Give uh, their well, stuff. Uh, my wife is actually a CPA, so so she, she does it. So she does it. Oh, right. so maybe she can 
commiserate with me about what does stinking pilot do to Turbo Texas? And right. When, uh, you, you know what? I'll tell you what. And, and uh, I'll, I'll, we'll give them a plug. Uh, what we usually do is we actually go to, uh, what is it, H&R Block online. Mm. And they actually have like a TurboTax or whatever the competitor is yeah. available online. Yeah. And it seems to run pretty well there, so you know it's just it's just online. So I was thinking uh, of maybe using them next year because I. So what I basically experienced is experienced was I imported the taxes from last year into this year, st- yep. uh, added a couple things, and it just got really, really slow. Like mm. like every time you add add a figure in, it, it it feels like it has to display. It's like, you know, how much you're getting back or how much you're going to have to pay is calculated. Like in this little part of the yeah, window. it's it, it's it's a rolling t- a total. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. it just seems like it takes forever. Like it's going through every single line in the whole thing, but it's not doing it like at normal computer speeds. It's doing it like you know, old fashioned hand comp. You know, I don't know what those things. Type of thing. yeah, computations where you're pressing by hand the little things it's over like and over. Key. It's like ten key. Yeah, like a, like a ten key adding machine. Like there's some little squirrels in my computer. <laughs> that are just pressing the keys and then figuring out those running totals. It's like, it, it literally, no, I'm telling you, Rod, it, it takes it takes like two minutes per entry. Really? To, between and, two and, and ten and, minutes per entry. And, and it constantly updates, too, from yeah. what I remember. Yeah, so I'm typing it, and then it's spinning wheel, see the calculations, the, the, the deduction or the refund or whatever going up and down, and then, it finally, and then I'm finally able to enter something else. <laughs> Literally, I'm not kidding. Between two and ten minutes per entry. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, and I researched it. I went online, and other people are complaining about it too. And this is the thing that's just amazingly appalling to me. It's like this—they sell millions of copies of this. This is like it's in Costco, it's in Walmart, it's oh, people yeah. buy it online or whatever. They're making millions or maybe billions of dollars on this software. Yes, every year. Yes, they can't freaking get it to be faster than this <laughs> it's incredible uh, you, you know nowadays you should be able to just scan all your documents it 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 like uh ocr it and then and then it should spit out something for you the, that's the way it should work that's the way it should work anyway yeah. i just wanted to complain about that okay i got it off my chest uh well i, you guys, I think w- you I guys, think what's the more important question is how long did the actual thing take you to complete just from entering it all in? Well, you know, it's kind of like a football game. You know, if you actually look at the the play, you know, it, it's it the football game takes three and a half hours. But if you actually uh, look at the time that they're actually holding the ball and running with it or doing something, right. it's like four minutes. Right, exactly. So I think my actual time in doing this was probably about an hour. Okay. You know, data entry, right. but the thing probably took like thirty hours to finish it. <laughs> I mean, I basically cleaned my whole office while I was doing my taxes. I shredded documents. My house is spotless. <laughs> we should have recorded a podcast in between. Way we could have done a couple segments. We could have gotten. We could have been up to episode fifty by now. <laughs> so I guess I guess every cloud is a silver lining. <laughs> well, uh, well, uh, and hopefully for you, that silver lining is that you don't owe any money to the government. And you, you'll get some back. Hopefully, no. that's it. Yeah, luckily, I, I, I did, I did okay this year. Good. Yeah, yeah. and I Good. have really complicated taxes. 
you know, be yeah. self-employed and sure. all this gear. Home office, home office home stuff. Home office, yeah. lots of, lots of repairs, expenses, gear, yep. little thi- little things, you know, $2, exactly. you know, thing that I buy it from China or whatever. Right. <laughs> have to figure, put that in. So, yeah. But I have, the, the, the credit card age has really helped me with my taxes. Right. Um, just having all the records on credit cards instead of having to have all these pieces of paper. Absolutely, and and the way they section it out for you in the statement is really great too. That I don't actually use that because it's not always correct. But, right. But I do get the electronic statements, and I'm able to sort it by vendor and figure it out that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it works pretty well. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my complaining about software segment. <laughs> well, we're not done with that yet. Oh, we're not. We're we're, we're actually not done with that. I mean, oh. we are done with the TurboTax thing. <laughs> Uh, but I wanted to move into something that I'm a little bit more curious uh, with, and that is iOS nine. Oh and, yeah. Uh, for for my um, for my now outdated uh, iPhone six plus. Right. Um, that uh, that I bought what two hours before the launch of the six S plus. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm kind of mad about that, but you know, hey, so what? But the question is uh, iOS nine. You know, I have the little uh, reminder up in my uh, what is it? System preferences uh, of of the iPhone. Yeah, uh, under the settings uh, icon. Yeah, wants to uh, update to iOS nine. Keith, tell us, tell the listening world, um, should I update to iOS nine? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly do not know. Yeah, I I don't know either. I mean, like, uh, I uh, I believe at at the time of this recording, they've already had a a good couple of updates to it already. Yes, I would never update on the first one, the very initial one. I would right. never do that with any version of any software. Right, right, right. Although right. I did do that with Adobe, but yeah, well, <laughs> I. So I think that what they're up to nine oh two or something like that, maybe nine oh three. It's been a while. It's been a few up, updates. So I th- I think it's probably safe to update at this point. Have you done it though? I have not done it. I have not done yeah. it. I'm I'm very. I'll wait for you to do it and then see how your thing crashes and then uh, <laughs> and then I'll make my decision after that. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll maybe I'll, I might think about. it. I'm gonna look look at it. I think there's a couple features in it that are kind of cool. I think there's more. On, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure what the great features are. I'm thinking maybe that maybe I'm confusing them with the new six success features in in iOS nine. Right, 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 right. That you, w- which could be the case. Are you familiar with the new features in it? I I'm I'm really not because yeah. you know when when they did that they did that in preparation for the success, right? Right. So I'm I'm not really uh, uh, too sure. Uh, what, well, here let's see. Um, what does it say? Uh, it says, uh, with this update, um, it's more powerful search and improved Siri features. Multitasking for the iPad is easier to do. Uh, there's a picture-in-picture feature. Uh, some of the built-in apps are a little more powerful. Uh, and supposedly it's better uh, help with um, battery life. It might give you an extra hour of battery life because of it. So you know what? Actually, as reading that, it's not impressive enough for me to move. Yeah. I think when I was uh, helping my dad with something last week, I was mm-hmm. saying, wow, what's going on with the uh, 
with the uh, multitasking switcher. Mm-hmm. You know, when you double click on the home button and then right. you see the look. Right. And I was saying, what's going on with this? It's all stacked up now. It does. I can't. I can't actually select it very easily. Which one I want to quit? Oh, you mean it doesn't have like the side by side thing anymore? No, it's like a stack of them in 3D. Yucks. Yeah, and then you kind of have to flip them like a like a cards over. Ew. So that was. I thought that was a downgrade. It's like uh, you can only see what's up front. You can't see what's behind it. I, I like know. the side to side because that way you just you know swipe to the left to yeah. the right and then you swipe up to get rid of it. I right. like that. Right, and sometimes you can actually see what's going on in that little screen. Correct. So you don't even have to switch to it. You can just get the information from it. Yeah. But but yeah. So that was, and I said and then I looked and my dad had actually you know done the automatic upgrade to nine. It's amazing you didn't have problems. <laughs> yeah. But so that's yeah. my only experience with nine OS huh. OS nine. So I'll, maybe I'll, I'll wait. Yeah. I'm Maybe gonna have to. Wait. Yeah. Maybe the podcast app will be better in in nine. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, I, I was I was going through some of the uh, other features as as you were explaining it, and I, I want to say it didn't even mention anything about the pod. It says that uh, has proactive assistance, Siri improvements, spotlight search improvements. Uh, it does a bunch of stuff for the iPad. Then as far as built-in apps, it has map improvements, uh, the redesigned note apps, all new news app, mail improvement, Apple Pay improvement, iCloud uh, app, and CarPlay improvements. So absolutely nothing about what we care about, which is the uh, podcast app. Yeah. Absolutely nothing about it. Well, speaking of podcast app, go ahead. Pretty good transition, huh? Yeah, I, I, I see how I softballed it to you. <laughs> um, remember how I was? I was all my complaining and griping. Boy, I do complain and gripe a lot on this podcast. I think it's well, that, just why do you why why do you think we started the podcast <laughs> if it was all happy go lucky? We didn't have nothing to say. Um, so I was I was griping and complaining about the podcast app and the fact that it was just completely debilitating my crappy iPhone four swim phone. Right. And um and I just like about 3 or 4 days ago I was I was you know trying to get something to play and I just had it and I said tomorrow I am going to figure out how to downgrade from iOS 7 which is totally debilitating to iOS 6. Mm-hmm. I go gonna, back to 6. I'm going to figure out how to do it somehow. I know I can do it cuz I've researched it before and it was like too much trouble before but now I am determined to do it. So I spent uh probably a couple hours because <laughs> I'd never delved into this jailbreaking world of iOS. Oh, you never did. No, I never delved into it. I just never felt the need to. Interesting. Okay. Have you delved into it? Um, not in iPhone. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but you know, other things. Yeah. Well, I think the Apple TV jailbreak is probably pretty simple. You've done that one. On, yeah, I've done that. Yeah. yeah I, I, I've done that one. I haven't done it on my Apple TV two. I only did it on the one because that that one is so limited on what it can really do. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, anyway, so it wasn't, so doing this is not exactly a jailbreak, but it's, it's kind of, it might as well be a jailbreak because it's complicated. Sure. sure. Um, but basically um, what happens is, is that every, in order to, to up to change your firmware on your iPhone, you basically have to communicate with the, the iTunes servers and say you're doing it. And there's a little bit of communication. It's kind of like copy protection. <clears throat> there's communication between iTunes, which is updating your iPhone and and your and your phone, 
and the f- and the kind of the the version of the phone you have, mm-hmm. and it, and it goes to Apple, and Apple says, yeah, you can upgrade, or it's a sorry, can't do that because your phone is already at seven, and you want to you want to uh, change the go backwards. To, yeah, you want to go backwards. Sorry, you can't do that. Right. So there's you have to figure out a way to spoof Apple to so f- to Apple for Apple to think it can do it, and so you basically have to download. From Apple, actually, Apple still has the software because they do they do do upgrades to iOS six and five even I think. So you download from Apple the the uh, I think it's called IPFW file. Yep. Uh huh. Right. And, yeah, and you download that from Apple, and they have that version. So the latest version of iOS six that the iPhone four supported was six point one point three. So I downloaded that, and then you have to go and and. You have to d- you have to download a compatible uh, what's called a a blob. <laughs> I never heard of that. A blob. Yeah, you have to basically um, or create a blob or something like that. You basically have to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already exhausted I'm, thinking about this. I'm exhausted too. I mean, right. I researched a lot, and there's a but, and these sites are kind of shady, you know, stuff to do that. Oh, of course. I mean, they're created by like 14 year old kids, right? Exactly. So, anyway. I finally got this software, which only runs on the PC. So I ran, I, I launched VMware, which is my PC emulator, Windows right. emulator, yep. and and downloaded the software. You have to go to an older version of iTunes. So instead right. of iTunes 12, you have to go back to iTunes 11 because 12 is not going to help you. It's gonna, it's it's too fortified. It's not going to let you do this. But 11, they hadn't fixed all the holes. Right. So I did all this stuff, and then I used the software, and finally I get it to work. It recognizes my iPhone. It finds the firmware on my iPhone. It knows it can mess with it, and then it looks up in its database on the Internet something that's appropriate for my iPhone, this blob thing mm-hmm. that will patch it so that the firmware will work on my phone. Okay. And it can't find the appropriate blob for my data for my iPhone in its oh, database. Oh, it cannot. It, it cannot. cannot. It had a whole bunch of others for other phones, but not for mine. Oh <laughs> yeah, mine was maybe a special one. Um, you know, maybe not so popular or that. Is yours a four or four S? It's a four. Okay, I think it was a four S. Well, the the good thing was that because it was a four, there wasn't built-in hardware to keep this from happening. Mm-hmm. Apparently, after the four, mm-hmm. you can do it with the four, and it, you might be able to do it with the five, but you can't do it with the four S and be and five S and beyond. Interesting. Yeah, you could only. So I was. I felt wow. You know, I, I lucked out here, but ultimately. I, it, it seemed like if I, even if I could do it, it was going to be kind of risky. Like, it, I would have to, like, hope a, another type of blob would work with my phone, and then I might brick it, and it wasn't worth it. So I just started searching for new podcast app instead of the, the Apple one. Oh, a a, a third party yep. podcast app. Yep. Okay. And I found a couple. Unfortunately, almost all of them, and all of them were not compatible with iOS seven, except. <laughs> One that I found, which turns out is really, really cool. It's called Pod Cruncher. Pod Cruncher. Let me look at that. And it looks a lot like the podcast app. It's probably it's kind of what the podcast app should have been. I don't see any uh, screenshots here of it. Podcatcher. Yeah. A uh, Pod Cruncher. Right? Sorry, Pod. Yeah, there's another one called Podcatcher, which doesn't work. It's called Podcruncher. Right. You're so, looking it up, but you're not seeing it. Probably if I'm you look at it, I'm, not, I'm right? not seeing it. If you look it's at a it on your simple thing. Yeah, if you look at it on your phone, 
Okay. In in on your app store on your phone, you'll see it. Okay. But um, it's probably I think it's what the podcast app should have been. It's still very 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 simple, and but it actually is seems like whatever whoever coded it coded it way better than the podcast app because it actually works very efficiently. Hmm. Doesn't crash. Doesn't hang up. Doesn't check the internet every three seconds. Just you know, you need to you need to subscribe. And it, what was cool is that it actually imported all my pod, all my podcasts that I subscribed already in my podcast app. It actually imported mm-hmm. those from my podcast app. Oh, it did. Yeah, so I didn't have to enter all of them. Oh, nice. Yeah, it, it, it just found it. Yeah, sitting there already. I, I don't know how it found it. Maybe through my account. I'm not really sure, mm-hmm. but it found them, imported them, and then I was able to s- subscribe to the ones I wanted and download episodes from the ones I wanted and it's very simple easy to use lots of versatility plays back even video podcasts not just audio um and so that was my solution just get a better app and uh oh I I, I see it right here yeah it looks good 299 yeah I like the uh the screenshot of the video uh podcast where that's being used mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i like it so i'd recommend looks it looks pretty but it looks nice and simple which is all that really matters it's nice and simple it's it's it just doesn't have a lot of fluff in it but it's not ugly it's actually no. pretty good looking yeah um and it's just well designed simple fast efficient doesn't crash and that's what i need so i think i'm happy with it the only thing I'm offended of is the screenshot for the podcast do no, does not show Tech Move as one of the uh, <laughs> listened to uh, podcasts. So for that alone, I question the uh, <laughs> the validity of this thing. But um, okay, whatever. Yeah. So, well, nothing's perfect, right? <laughs> Podcruncher. It's a podcast app, and it's available on uh, iTunes, right? Uh, or I'm sorry, the App Store uh, for two ninety nine. Um, so that's what Keith uses for, uh, for his podcasts, uh, now, well, his, for his swimming, uh, mobile device. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Well, good, good. I'm, 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 I'm glad you found that solution because I know that was just killing you. So, so because, okay. So if you, so then the, the time that you invested on trying to jailbreak, was that essentially wasted because of this particular thing that, that could have just done it from the get-go? It was a total waste. It was it was a waste in that I could, I didn't achieve any result. Right. It was maybe okay because I got slightly introduced to the whole jailbreaking world. Right. More than I ever had been. Or would you ever want? Or that you ever wanted to be? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't care anymore. It's it's. I don't think I'm going to want to do anything in the future. Like right. jailbreaking, right. Uh, I just think it's just too shady for me. It, it, and, and it is quite scary. Yeah. It's, it's scary, like just thinking that it'll that you'll brick the whole thing, especially your brand new shiny, you know, phone or something like that. Yeah, maybe something old like a four would be, you know, is okay, but you know, but yeah, why, yeah. that's what I was thinking. But you know. I, I just, it's just too shady, and all the sites and places you have to go. To, to get this stuff. You think TurboTax look terrible as far as programming. <laughs> the, some of these sites are even worse. Yeah. And you know they're being created by, you know, 13-year-old kids. Oh, yeah. Stuck you in know. the basement in between uh, <laughs> uh, in between Halo 3, <laughs> uh, you know, 
midnight sessions for crying out loud. Someday those, someday those kids are going to grow up. They're they're going to be fantastic network uh, administrators. I'll tell you that much. Going to be fantastic. <laughs> uh, hey, before we close up this segment, uh, let's talk a little bit. Uh, I think you have an update with regards to your FS five. Is that correct? Well, not really an update. Just it just seems like there's more information out about it. And okay, and and how much you're you're drooling over it now or what? well, whereas before I wasn't really considering it at all. Right. Um, I'm now slightly considering it. There, um, <laughs> mostly because it seems like, and I'm not sure if this is true, but I've seen a couple pieces of information saying it does support 10 bit in in the UHD mode, an internal re- internal recording, mm-hmm. which I hadn't seen before. But I could be wrong because it just seems like that information is sketchy. Like some sites say it's 10 bit in in. Uh, in uh, 4K, and some say that it's only 8-bit in 4K. So I don't. So you're you're probably not going to know until until it gets closer to release date. I think so. I think I'm going to. But if it is 10-bit internally, then I th- I have a f- I'm more of a chance of buying it. There's more of a chance of me buying it. Oh, if it's 10-bit. Yeah, just because you know if you're going to spend that much for a modern recorder, you you want it to be 10-bit. You know, I think I think at this point, anything over five thousand dollars, you want it to be 10-bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it just gives you, especially when you're recording in uh, in the log format. Just just to give you like just a little background. You know, we've been talking about recording log and it's flat yep. and all that stuff. Yep. So what happens is though is because it's increasing the dynamic range. Um, there's more inf- there's more information in the in the high part high range and the low range. The information in the middle range, it's, which is really more of your data, which is like skin tones, the fifty percent. Um, luminosity range mm-hmm. that is actually has got less stuff recorded in an, in especially in, in an 8-bit so you might get more banding you in a in an 8-bit mode than a 10-bit mode there's just less mm. values to choose from right so when you're grading if you want to stretch in that area stretch and move the luminosity around you might get banding in 8-bit and so um so you want to record log to get the most dynamic range, but you don't want to get banding and other artifacts. So that's why you want to get 10-bit. So I'm just kind of figuring if you're going to go to all this trouble to spend all this money, you know, over 5K in this day and age, you should try to get 10-bit internally. Mm-hmm. So so the FS7 gives you that for sure. Not sure if the FS5 does. Uh, it looks here that the FS5 is going to... At least right now, the the price is going to be uh, five thousand five hundred ninety nine dollars or fifty six hundred bucks. Yeah. Uh, d- did we say what the FS seven was going to be? Um, I think this FS seven is more like eight. More like eight. Yeah, uh-huh. we can look it up. Um, I mean, it's been out for a while, so it might even be discounted. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's basically eight thousand dollars even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they include a. If you if you you can order a twenty eight to one thirty five zoom lens with it, that adds another twenty five hundred dollars to it. Mm-hmm. That was actually the lens I thought they were talking about on the FS five before. No, but this one's actually a fairly nice lens. I think it's much nicer than the kit lens that they include with the FS five. Looks like a release date is somewhere towards the end of the year, somewhere around December, something like that. No, uh, is it? Let me see. I thought it was closer to now. Oh, really? 
what what did you what did you see? Uh, I'm I'm looking at that at our friends over at uh, B and H. Oh yeah, actually you're right. December fourth. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of far away. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just a couple things that I really like about this camera. It's got the internal 4K. It's not that expensive. It's got the variable ND. I, I got a little bit more information about the ND. It's actually it is an electronic ND. And instead of having those clicks with those actual um, physical pieces of glass in front of your yep. lens. It's actually, there is a piece of glass on it, but it's like an LCD that darkens or lightens, depending on how much electricity is applied to it. <laughs> and um, it's completely infinitely variable. Which well, that's is, nice. Yeah, so that's, in my opinion, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Because then you could just set your aperture, whatever you want it, so you get your depth of field, it's set. And then you can adjust, depending on the varying light conditions, you can adjust the, uh, the variable neutral density. Right. But still get the right exposure. That, in my opinion, is really powerful. And that's something that's, I think only maybe the high-end reds have that. So that's pretty cool. Um, that's pretty advanced technology. So that's, that's another plus for, for them of you maybe making the dive into that, uh, into that thing. That's another plus. Another plus is the smallness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's apparently really, really small and light. Like, I think it weighs two pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. that weighs two pounds, whereas uh, the, um, I'm going to check out the C300 Mark II, uh, which is almost out. Yeah, they say uh, the body only is uh, for the um, for the FS5. the The weight is uh, twenty nine ounces, a little over twenty nine ounces. Yeah, that's pretty light. Yeah, so that's a couple pounds, right? Yeah, I think that's like a, a little, couple of pounds. a little less than a couple pounds. Yeah, how much is a pound? A pound? Uh, Sixteen ounces to a pound? I think so. <laughs> twenty nine OZ. To LBS, let me let me do that. One point eight one pounds. Yeah, so that's less than two pounds. Mm-hmm. Whereas the um, the C three hundred Mark II, the one the the one that's three times the price that I'm mm-hmm. considering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the weight on that. Wow, they actually don't list the weight, but I know I've seen it before. I think it's like four pounds when I saw it before, but it's all TBD. Even on the brochure, it's TBD. Really? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Weird, but I actually have seen it in the past, so I don't know. How do they not know that already? Yeah, it's like, isn't it shipping? Don't people have like I mean, pre-release what, versions of this? What else are you going to throw in there? Yeah, maybe they're going to like remove the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have, so at least on the new shooter, they have the, the weight. It's mm-hmm. 1880 grams. So let's see how many pounds that is. That's f- a little over four pounds. Yeah. Wow. My memory's pretty good. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you got two pounds more. Yeah. So that's kind of significant. Yeah, because, I mean, that, that could easily be a lens, right? Exactly. That could be a nice lens. Yeah. So it could be a nice lens, and then you'll have it all wrapped up in one and less the price and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so we'll see. You know, th- I, I'm going to have to just check and see how what the reviews are on it when it comes out. Yeah. So it's a couple months away. So I think I can wait a couple months to get a new expensive camcorder. Yeah. Be nice yeah, if I'm... it came before the end of the year for tax purposes, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Cause you'll have till next October to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, fantastic. That's good. All right. Well, that's uh, uh, I, I guess more updates to come 
for the FS5. I think so. Yeah, I'm probably gonna, a lot more. I'm going to keep on it. It's, it's definitely perked up my ears more than any other camcorder recently. Okay. Um, the the only reason that the Black Magic, um, the Black Magic Ursa Mini, is mm-hmm. not that appealing to me is only because it does not have built-in internal NDs. Right. And that was a huge oversight on their point on their part. Yeah. Um, if they put this electronic ND in there, that would have been like no-brainer, cha-ching. Right, you'd purchase right then and there. Yeah, I, th- I think so, just because of all the specs and everything else. So, right. yeah, so spec-wise, size-wise, everything, it's it's very, very close to the C300 Mark II. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, not really because the built-in recording is pretty low bit rate, but it, it would suffice. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it, like... I would cuz I could see it easily replacing the C100 as as the main camera that I'm using. Hmm. You know, if if the autofocus is good, then I, then I could replace it. Right. Yeah. Right. So, all right, good. Well, yeah. uh we will uh keep our eyes and ears posted for uh any new information that and I'm sure a lot of that is going to be coming up. I mean, especially since their release date isn't until December. Um, you know, we've got another good month and a half before anything could uh could yeah. change here so we, we can speculate and fill up another three hours of podcasts with yeah, speculation right. <laughs> and in that time. that's what everyone wants to hear so <laughs> um actually there was one thing you mentioned to me which was really cool you want to talk mm-hmm. about that i don't even know what that is oh, what is it the solo shot oh okay yeah we want oh, sure let's talk about that now might as, might as well okay um so, uh, you know how when you're like uh, rummaging through uh, uh, YouTube videos and stuff like that, and they always have the little advertisement before the actual video you want to investigate? <laughs> that you usually you, wait wait until and, it says, skip in five right, seconds, four, exactly. three, skip. And <laughs> right, and I'm counting down as if it's Mission Impossible, right? And, 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 and the thing is going to explode. But... This particular one, I actually watched it all the way through, and it's for a new product. Mm-hmm. Uh, new product, and uh, well, actually, according to you, I guess it's not really a new product, but because uh, they've been in, uh, around for a little bit, I, and I guess this is their third iteration of it. Yeah. It's called the Solo Shot Three Pro. Yes, it is a third generation auto follow cameraman device. Yes, that essentially is a motorized head that you can put on a, a on a tripod and you attach your camera whatever in according to the the video that I saw it can be any camera that you want whether it be a uh you know a regular camcorder or a uh or a pocket size camera iPhone or you know mobile device even up to a DSLR you can attach this thing and uh and your subject that you want to uh that you want to film will wear a uh a i guess a homing device and this thing will follow you uh when you're wearing this uh this device and it'll just the camera will follow you wherever you go yes i thought it was pretty darn neat it's pretty cool it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was solo shot. I don't think it's out yet because I think they're um I want to say that they're trying to get money for it uh through Kickstarter or something like that. But uh But they have uh, they've had other solo shots in the past. Okay. And 
I don't know if they're. I think they actually sell the show, solo shot too, and that was the one I was actually thinking of getting a while back. Okay, but um, that I don't think you can get it anymore. Um, maybe you have to get it from other resellers. Yeah. Um, but they're like three hundred dollars, uh, for the so, solo shot two. Same principle, I think, probably just less sturdy, and yeah. maybe maybe been discontinued at this point. I have something of interest for you. Um, they're they're taking thirty percent off until October the twenty second. Yes, but their expected ship date isn't until spring of two thousand sixteen. <laughs> yes, vaporware. Never buy it. Never buy vaporware. <laughs> so uh, you know, uh, buyer beware on this one. But I mean, but it's a nice looking unit, and and some of the shots that. Some of their test users have taken have been really nice looking, smooth. Um, it would, it would know. be perfect for me, especially with. Um, I do a lot of TED type conference recording. Yes, and the speakers sometimes they're stationary, and those are the well. I mean, I think for the audience, it's great for them to move around. For a cameraman, it's a pain. Yes, uh, you have to be just really, really focused on them the whole shoot. Like you can't relax for a second. Right, which is one of the reasons why I cover with an, a like a wider stationary camera, because because yeah. inv- ine- inevitably they'll move somehow out of the frame. You get distracted and they'll move, and then you miss the shot, and it's really unprofessional. So I can cut for the wide shot to the wide shot for that point. Right, or you know you're checking your email, texting people, checking your just Facebook, seeing, seeing what time it is on your watch, just looking down for a second with your watch, right. having a conversation, going to the bathroom, right, having a little snack at the snack bar, some coffee. And they move out of the frame. How dare they? <laughs> right, exactly. But so this is going to s- save me so much time. It will be allow me to text and email during my shoots. Yeah. You know, go take little breaks and I can just put this little tagging. Tag- Set it and leave it. You know, just apparently there's like a really strong self-adhesive um, that you can just stick on somebody's forehead and... <laughs> this thing will that, just track forever. <laughs> that will be well, you know, and that was going to be another question I, that 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 I'm wondering because it, every time, uh, as far as the demonstrations that I've seen on this, is that uh, 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 that transmitter that you have to wear uh, that that goes back to the to the solo shot uh, head. Yeah, um, that seems to have to be. Like on the outside of clothing, it Does doesn't. It, it doesn't look like it can be buried underneath a jacket. At least, not from the picture. And I don't know if they're just doing it in the pictures just because they want to show you what it is or whatever. But I don't know if it. it I would imagine if it can shoot. Uh, I think they say that you can shoot up to two thousand feet away and it'll yeah. still receive. If if that's the case, you got to be able to put it under a jacket or in a pocket or something like that, and still be able to to follow the person. I would hope that you can kind of conceal it because it it would be really bad to have to have it exposed. Yeah, because then it looks like you're wearing one of those armband iPod holders when you're jogging. Yeah, and that would that that would look completely stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm hoping since it has a two thousand foot range, I'm hoping it can it it's a radio frequency and not some kind yeah. of light based thing yeah i'm hoping you can put in a pocket uh something concealed the problem so the the problem with the in reality will this actually work the way i want it to work you know framing and the rule of thirds comes into play 
Um, yep. You know, the thing might be great at centering them on the shot. Right. But it probably won't be great about predicting which way they're facing. So you want to keep that open area and the way they're facing or it looks weird. Isn't that where kind of 4K can kind of come into play, right? Where you're a little bit wider to allow for that, then you crop into wherever you want it to be as a director. Yeah, you could do that in post for sure, and that's mm-hmm. going to help. But then that's a lot of post-production. So it's almost like more post-production to, okay, which way are they facing? Which yeah. way to crop it? Which way to move the crop around? Now I have to process all this footage. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be great if you just kind of want to center them the whole time. Yeah. Um. And maybe if you want to do the cropping thing, um, then you could you could attempt to do that. It could get could get a little tedious because these people are turning around. We're talking, you know, in within five seconds they've turned five times. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. So yeah. we're gonna have to see what it works. But I I definitely when it comes out I'm gonna get one because I think it could be really really useful to me. Yeah. You know, put it on a 4K camera like a GH4, and then yep. and then just have them track, and then you get that nice safety shot just in case. That's that's why I was totally thinking about you yeah. uh, uh, for for that very thing. You know, you, you, these guys up on the stage and they walk away from the podium. Yeah, you know, do their little thing left to right, and uh, you, you know, because the 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 solo shot promo videos are always doing more high action things, right? Yeah. Soccer, surfing, uh, uh, running, uh, you know, track and field type of stuff like that, and right. it, and it looks spectacular, right? You know. Uh, your subjects are more just kind of moving left to right on a stage from a platform, all this kind of stuff. And right. I, and I think that that could be very good. Yeah. I, I think, I, th- I think I'm going to get one. I'm, I, I think it's worth getting for, it's not that expensive. It's 500 bucks or something. I guess there's a discounted price for the current like Kickstarter version of it, but I, I'm not, I don't think it's, it's just a pre-order. They're calling it a pre-order. You're just basically getting 40, 38% off if you buy it. Yeah. Now. Yeah, but and especially if it's not going to be released until next year. Have you known any camera product that's ever on time? <laughs> like that that even re- releases within a month of its you of know, what they pr- say promised release. That's why that FS three. Uh, who knows when that's really going to come out? Right. <laughs> Sony's actually really good about meeting their dates, but nobody else is. Mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. like you know, like like a Canon. You know, they said it was going to come out in September with their C three hundred. It's not, not out now. It's end of October practically. Right, right. So, right. Um, uh, you know, and Black Magic, forget that. Forget about them. It's like a year later. Oh right. You know the. They, I think they just put out dates just to have something on their marketing <laughs> materials. With with they probably uh, even th- they they probably haven't even really thought it through yet. So <laughs> <laughs> we gotta pr- we gotta we gotta meet this printing press date. <laughs> ah, let's say it's going to be out in a month. Okay. <laughs> And we'll take pre-orders. Let's month, set up the credit cards. Month sounds good. And Red's like, we're going to have this fantastic sensor next month. Five <laughs> years later, oh, that product, <laughs> we canceled that long ago. <laughs> not not that Solo Shot's going to do that. Maybe right. it'll come in on time. But I, I'm just tired of buying vaporware. I've, I've, I've bought too much vaporware. And yeah. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, but, good, good. Yeah, no, but that that was something that interests me, and I and I did want to talk about that. I it, it, thanks, Ron. Uh, no, I, I I think it'll work out great for you, and uh, it's it's a neat little device, especially with how much weight they supposedly can put on it. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. 
That I think that will be you know may, uh, and you know hey if this FS3 is as light as we're talking about I don't see why it couldn't do that but uh, you probably wouldn't want it you probably uh, GH4 would probably work out just that sounds like the just the perfect thing for it seems like it will yes. yeah all right good all right well uh, Keith uh, let us take a quick little break let's reset the uh, the meters here mm-hmm. and uh, we will come back and discuss more cool items that uh that are kind of clogging up our mind right now (laughs) uh let's take a break folks we will come right back you are listening to rod louie and keith moreau and this is tech Okay, we're back with more excitement that is known as Tech Move. Uh, Rod Louis Keith Moreau with you, and I wanted to uh, discuss my um, this thing I got via email. Uh, Keith, I'm sure you get a lot of these Groupon ads. Oh yeah, right. Uh, and uh, in in this one particular one. It was uh, for a um, sport action camera, and I thought it was a GoPro, uh, like this bundled package with all these different accessories here and there, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's got the underwater housing. It's got the over-the-air housing. It's got the water heater housing. It's got the whole thing, right? And for, uh, you know, I want to say like $250. Yeah. And I said, "Wow, that's pretty good." Okay, let me let me you know let me look at it. Uh, uh, the one thing I do give a lot of credit for Groupon is that they have that cute little link. Here's the small print. I love <laughs> that. I, I think that's so cute. So it's not a GoPro. Okay, it's not a GoPro, and I believe what it is is the uh, SJ Cam line of cameras. Yeah. Okay, but hey. To my eye, they look exactly the same, and I really don't... Aren't there some lawsuits going around right now because of just how similar they are? I mean, it's just uncanny how similar they look. It looks like the housing and everything else is interchangeable with the GoPro. I think what SJ Cam did was they bought a bunch of GoPros, smashed them at their warehouse... (laughs) And like an oyster cleared out the guts with one of those paring knives and then put in their own guts in there. What, do you think that's how it's done? I think that's exactly how it's done. I'm, I'm amazed. <laughs> amazed at okay. how precisely you described what they do. Because if I were knocking off a product, that's how I would do it. That's how I do it. That's how I do my stuff. All right. I, think so, they, I did think they bought some GoPros and they, they measured them and they... They CAD cam them, and they use those HP 3D printers, <laughs> and they printed some some imitation some GoPros. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let so let me share. Uh, I, I'm I'm looking at at getting uh, uh, one of these action cameras uh, because we're going to be uh, taking a trip 
Another uh, trip? Yes. Well, it's not going to be till next year, so I certainly have a little bit of time oh, okay. to, to purchase this thing. Uh, although, what I'm hoping for is to uh, wait for the introduction of the GoPro 5. <laughs> And once that's released, then go out and pay full manufacturer's retail price for the four. That's what I'm hoping to do, because that's usually the way I work around here. Uh, but anyway, so we are going to be taking a, uh, a little bit of a, of a trip, and I think it's time to do like maybe some underwater type, type of photography, videography, uh, you know, not be afraid of the swimming pool and... <laughs> <laughs> like I like I was in the Vietnam War holding my my machine gun over my head while plowing through the the rivers of Vietnam, right? Uh you know, I can't be that way with the camera. You know, maybe now I could get a you know, an action camera, submerge it into a little water, get some cool shots. Um you know, uh but I am really wondering these differences between this SJ cam and the GoPro. I mean, I, I know in a previous podcast we had talked about uh, the GoPro 4 Black, and I believe you were either about to pick one up or you had already picked it up, and I'd like to get your kind of feeling on it, review, if you will, and uh, talk me off the ledge on why I shouldn't just buy the SJ Cam uh, and that line. Oh, okay. Well, hmm. The SJ Cam is only HD. Right. Oh, that's right. No four. No four K. Correct. I th- yeah, I think, and I'm not sure if there's anything else about it that would be a deterrent. But uh, there's a lot of little accessories and things for GoPros that you'll have to figure out if they were going to work on the SJ Cam. Like, because mm-hmm. GoPro has a ton of you know fit things to go with it, you know, like body body mounting devices and right all kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I would have to find out if the SJ Cam had its own set of things or if it was completely compatible with with those because that limits its versatility. That's a that's a good point there. Yeah. I, I I and I do I do like uh, the 4K capability of the GoPro. Yeah, because you can get a you can get a equivalent GoPro to the SJ Cam for not that much more, like one hundred and thirty dollars or something. Oh really? Yeah. Well, what does that be like a GoPro three or something like that? Or? Uh. Either well, I'm not sure about a GoPro three, but there's a whole line of GoPros that are new. Mm-hmm. They're just like the black is the highest end one, but then there's the silver, and then there's the regular GoPro. I right. think the regular GoPro is just HD. Um, there's also a GoPro. I don't I don't know what it's called. I'm gonna have to look it up. But it's a really 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 small one. Like it's even smaller than the current GoPro. Okay. Like it's like a mini GoPro, and I think that's only HD, but it's it's supposed to be pretty good. Okay. So that's even smaller and less obtrusive. Yeah, it's called the Session. And it's it's what's cool is it doesn't require a uh, housing, it's just um, it's just waterproof on its own. <laughs> so you oh. don't yeah, which is kind of cool because the housing is kind of big. The GoPro itself is pretty small, right? But then you put all that stuff on to, on on it, and it starts getting bigger. You know, it's not gigantic by any means, but it's the GoPro session, and. Um, I see that. It looks like almost like a webcam housing. I mean, yeah, like a webcam. Yeah, it's like a webcam, but it's teeny. It's like half the size of a GoPro almost. Right. You can see somebody holding it, how small it is. Right. It's like a little bit bigger than your thumb. Yeah. So, um, and that that's not uh, 4K, but it's it's more than HD. It's like 14, I think it's like um, 
1440 by and 30p or something. Yeah, well, it's 1440p, which is it's basically like 2160 by 1440 or something. So yeah. it's like twice, almost twice HD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's not bad. Um, or 34. Or anyway, it's 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 better than HD. That was that's like the GoPro three uh, video resolution, uh, which I I'd, pr- I'd probably go with the the four. The four because it's black. Yeah, the four has been out for a while. I like so. the, I like the black. I like I like the thought of it. And here, here's another reason why I'm thinking about it. And I don't know if you've tried it or not. And that is the still camera uh, abilities of it. Yeah, which I've, I'm which I'm attracted to. Yeah, I've just dabbled with it. Um, but I know is that it nice is it nice? Um, it's It'll okay. Work. It's okay. okay. You know, I think I think it's not going to be as good as um, it's not going to be as good as you know your even your GH13, even though right. your GH13 is like six years old. It's right. still, still going to probably be better than this one. But it's not bad. The, the, I, I, I figure that this would be just as good as like the maybe the iPhone as a point-and-shoot type of thing just to get a photograph. It's probably, it's probably close to an iPhone. I think, and oddly, I think the iPhone's quality of image is better. Mm-hmm. Just, just the character of the photos are better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, the GoPro's not shabby. Um, I've I've intercutted a little bit with some of my films just when I needed to. Um, for me, the GoPro's versatility is the under underwater stuff. Obviously, you don't have to worry about that. That's the big deal, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's the big deal. Just not having to worry about your camera when you're in the water situations. But also the fact that it's really easy to mount in inhospitable areas. <laughs> Right, um, in the car and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's kind of small and light, so you can put it in places. Um, one of my favorite uses for the GoPro is to put it onto a gimbal, a small gimbal. Mm-hmm. Um, there actually are quite a few um, GoPro-capable gimbals out there now, and they run like two to $400. I so, have seen that. I have seen that. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Because that that is something that very much interests me. Because you know, with 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 that type of size of camera, uh, you know, and it being so inconspicuous that I think some of these gimbals that they have are really literally handheld. Like they're they're essentially like just sticks, and uh, and very effective. Yeah. They're actually really effective because the GoPro is so small and light that the gimbals don't have to be that um, beefy to actually right. make, make them work well. Right. And um, yeah, so I, it's definitely, and we could talk about that in a minute after we talk about the qualities of the GoPro. But um, yeah, it's it's very, very versatile. I'm, I'm really glad that I have it. It's not something that I whip out all the time, to be honest with you. What the grow the, the GoPro itself? The, yeah, I don't take it with me on my shoots. I probably should just keep it in my bag along with a, a little um, Gorilla Pod or something, mm-hmm. just in case. Because like today I was doing some shooting and I could have just I could have just whipped it out and then two seconds had a nice overhead overall wide shot, right? And and used it. But um, for some reason I just don't grab it immediately. It's not it's not in my kit. You know, it's hmm. like I know I'm going to do something special. I'll bring it. But uh, it's not much bigger than a lens, so I know. I'm surprised it did, doesn't sit in there and just uh, well, take you've up ins- space. You've inspired me to to take it out of its little hiding place, little drawer okay. that I have it in, and maybe bring it with me on on gigs. This is an extra little camera. Yeah. Um. There's a couple things. The lens is kind of wide, so you can choose different 
um, a couple different wide, different different versions of white, but it's got got a bit of curvature to it. it it's, so, it's a little fisheye, is it? Is it, it not? It's a little bit fisheye-ish. Yeah. So um, that's the one thing I'm not crazy about. Can you change that? You can kind of change it a bit. Um, you can't necessarily change it in the 4K mode as much. Mm. Um, I think the way that they make it less of an angle, uh, less of a focal length is to, or more of a focal length, shall I say, is to crop on the sensor. And as you crop, you get lower res. Okay. So I think in HD, you can probably get a, a pretty normal looking image, but in 4K, it's much wider. Mm-hmm. The thing about 4K, though, is that you, you kind of want it to be wide so you can crop and post. Correct. So that, that's the thing that's, I think, really amazingly versatile about this. Shoot wide, know you're going to crop and post, maybe do some stabilization and post, and then you have an, a more normal um, viewpoint. Another thing is you can actually use post software to un, unfisheye the, uh, the output. Oh, you can? Yeah. It takes a long time to crunch, but a lot of people do that as well. And it okay. doesn't look too bad. Okay. Yeah. Image quality-wise, it's it's kind of passable for intercutting with, with better cameras, but it's not, like, I wouldn't want to shoot my whole film on a GoPro. Okay. I'd want to use it just for the specialty shots, which you can kind of get by for, with a few seconds here and there, mm-hmm. but not, like, as the main feature. Or else it's going to be, like, you know, like like a found footage film. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like Blair Witch right. or something. Right, it's, right. It's it's not going to be that high cinematic quality, and th- there's a couple of reasons for it. It's not. I don't know how big the sensor is, but I don't think it's that big because the depth of field is is pretty deep. Uh-huh. Like everything is in focus. Right. So, so that's one of the dead you know dead giveaways for non cinema type camera. Right. Um. It's diamond dynamic range is okay, but it's not great. And when you grade it, you can't really stretch it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, you it, it falls apart pretty easily because it's just not a very very high bit depth codec. I think it's like a fifty bit fifty megabit per second, which seems like it should be okay, but for four K it's not. For four so, K, you need more than a hundred megabits per second. Does that mean uh, that you um, uh, you when when you're when you're taking that image? Okay, so let, let's go back to that cropping thing. So you take it wide; it's got the fisheye kind of feel, curved kind of feel. Right. You, then you crop in just a little bit, like uh, you, you know, like uh, like an inch from from every every side, depending on how how big your monitor is. Like maybe twenty percent. You're saying twenty yeah, percent in. Crop. Okay, twenty yeah. percent, yeah. and then and then it looks pretty good after that. It's starting to look better. It's it's not bad if you're straight on stuff, but then mm-hmm. if you don't want that curvature. Um, you you probably need to crop a little bit, hmm. um, but you know there's there's ways to get around it. There's a couple different angles you can use when you're recording, mm-hmm. and you can select the the narrowest one in your available recording speed. Um, sometimes I'll choose less than 4K just to get a better angle. Hmm. You know, like a 2.6K. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, but it's it's pretty versatile. I, I they're not that expensive now, right? They're in the 350 range. Something like uh, that. Th- this one's five hundred. So the GoPro four, let me see. The four black. Four black, really that much? Still yeah, f- uh, four ninety nine. Yeah, that's what I paid I mean, for it. I mean, you could, you know, I'm I'm sure I could get one used somewhere. For, 
for for cheaper and stuff like that, which I would consider. I actually would consider that. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so now this begs another question now. Uh, and let's forget about the SJ cam. Sorry, folks, but uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> sorry, SJ cam. Sorry, SJ cam. Didn't 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 it, mean to throw you. Just in didn't cut place. it. You just right. didn't have the name. So what about then? Uh, GoPro for black. Or a underwater housing for the iPhone six, mm. with 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 uh, 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 pro recording software. Which underwater housing? I don't know. So I don't know. That's the thing. That's, okay, so that's the rub. Where do you get that underwater housing? Okay, and how much do you want to pay for it? Uh-huh. In my swim phone search. <laughs> I I think I've looked at every single underwater housing in existence. Okay. And I don't find them to be in my opinion that trustworthy. Trustworthy because of of water water leaking in or because it doesn't take a great image is too 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 impaired. Uh leaking. <laughs> okay. Right. Like right. this is your phone. Right. If it gets destroyed, it's going to be uh, you're that, done. That's it. You've, your right. trip is ruined. Right. But on the other hand, and then, and also you have to be careful when you put it in and when you take it out, that it doesn't get wet. Um, mm. on the other hand, you know, maybe you can find one that will work well. Um, you know, you're going to have some pretty good HD recording quality or maybe even 4k, depending on the app you use on your current iPhone six. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in the Bahamas just recently, I was using my little swim phone for, photography and video under the water and it was awesome and it worked great it was great we got okay. so much so many great shots i you know probably not as good as the gopro but way easier so even for that trip you didn't even take the gopro no i kind of thought about it and then i said now nah, i'll just use my, use my swim phone <laughs> that's funny and it was gopro and it was great so we have to make apologies to sg cam <laughs> and gopro for liking initially what what they have but never really using them so um <laughs> but i've fantastic. actually i mean gopro I've, I've spent a lot of money on gopros over the years so okay i don't, I don't think i need to apologize to them right it's just when i was packing for my trip do i want to bring this gopro and have all this you know stuff to bring along on my trip and think about or do i want yeah. to just take this little swim phone that i'll probably use to if i swim by myself to listen to podcasts right <laughs> I was even, you know, it was really funny. I was swimming in Miami Beach, and I had my little swim phone with me, and and there was, and I was pretty far out into the water. Okay. And I was looking back at the ho- all the hotels and stuff on the beach. There's a really nice beach there, and and I still had Wi-Fi, so I was actually, I think I was FaceTiming with my girlfriend Veronica, who was still in the hotel in the near the <laughs> pool, and I was saying, "Look where I am," and I was sending her like snapshots over Wi-Fi <laughs> with my iPhone. That's my terrific. Phone. Oh, that's yeah. great. And I and I think I also did a little FaceTime with my dad. <laughs> Guess where I am? I'm swimming at Miami Beach. I'm in the water right now. <laughs> and he could care less too, I'm like, sure. I can't hear I can't hear you. Gonna sign off now. <laughs> you're, you're, you're too mumbled. You're, you're too you're far mumbling. away. <laughs> Sounds like you're underwater. <laughs> uh, that's terrific. So that part of having the iPhone because it has all this connectivity and you can send stuff and post stuff and whatever, that right. part is pretty cool. You have a yeah. GoPro, you have to take the card card out. You have to, 
I guess you could communi- do something with the Wi-Fi app. I don't know how to transfer files without their Wi-Fi app. Mm-hmm. But if it's on but the phone... But you probably could, though. You probably could, though. I guess you can. I've never done it to transfer files. I've only done mm-hmm. it to control the camera. Uh-huh. But uh, I would I would investigate the underwater housing. That For for the iPhone. Yeah, just, just look into it. Don't, don't yeah. just say... Because here's the thing. The GoPro has... It's a cam. It's a little camcorder. It's pretty cool. It's it's very durable, and uh, you can mount it in places like really high up. You know, you can you can attach it somewhere, and it, since it's waterproof, it's going to be you know can rain on it or whatever, and it's be fine. Right. It can take pretty good still pictures. It has lots of time lapse modes, and you can take video with it. You know, there's a lot of good qualities to it. Bad qualities are it runs out of batteries quick. You know, that's just oh a fact. The, the the GoPro yeah. Like I what? Think, what is quick? What is that? Like mean? less than an hour. For, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, continuous recording. Wow. Because the batteries are small. Yeah. They're really teeny, and you know it's doing 4K, so it's processing a lot. And also, if you have Wi-Fi attached to it, it's doing even more because it has to power the Wi-Fi. Wow. So yeah, so yeah, that was the one thing that I that bugged me about the GoPros because I sometimes um, like one time I was f- uh, filming the skier, and I had it on her on her helmet, mm-hmm. and and I attached the GoPro and I expected it to last a while. And it, and it, it's, I think it, it ended at about 45 minutes. Luckily I had enough footage in that, but I just forgot to check the battery le- next time I saw her. And then she right. was gone on the ski lift and it was another like hour before I saw her. <laughs> Luckily when I looked at the footage, I had enough good stuff to use, but, oh, good. but I could have, yeah. u- could have used that extra hour. So yeah. they sell this attachment called a backpack battery pack that right. extends the life to make it like two hours instead of an hour. Right, but um, you know that's something another thing to consider. Right. So definitely, um, when you integrate it with footage, like I had this other shoot that I did where I used it on a, and I'll talk about this, but I I used it in the shots, and when I did the shots, they just did not match with my other footage. Right. So I had to really, really, really process them a lot to make them match, because hmm. it's kind of videoish, unfortunately. Right. Yes, 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 yes. It's, and to get that cinematic look would be very difficult to do. It's it's much harder to use it. They have this thing called ProTune now, which mm-hmm. is kind of a flatter, a um, little bit higher dynamic range format, mm-hmm. which which um, helps helps a little bit. But um, yeah, I actually let me see if I can. Yeah, so I wanted to show you this thing that I did, all GoPro, and and gimbal. Oh, let me see this. Start at about 20 seconds for the actual video. Played in HD, so it looks good. Oh, mounted on the car? Yeah, I had this sticking up through the sunroof. Or maybe I had it clamped on, I can't remember. But I think it it was on a gimbal. Oh, that looks great. Yeah, so this was using the ProTune, and then I did a bunch of stuff with a LUT on the back end. Oh, how'd you you get that uh, jib shot? Um, you took a I'll, jib? Yeah, well, I'll explain to you how I can do the jib shots with the gimbal and the and the GoPro. Works really, really well. Oh, I get it. You stood on a balcony, jumped off suicide <laughs> style, and then did sl- ultra slow-mo at 120 <laughs> frames per second. Not that complicated. Not that complicated. No, okay. But I can explain. It's pretty cool. Okay. All right. Oh, that, yeah, that's good. I like yeah. that. So the look of that is pretty filmic. Yeah, I think it. Lo- I think it looked really, but that must have been a lot of processing, though. It was a lot of processing using the ProTune, and it it's it, it kind of breaks up when you when you really really examine it. Even the original, the mm-hmm. codec is just not that sturdy. It's sixty megabits per second. Okay, so so uh, yeah, Rod and I are just looking at a little film that I made on our little ad I made on the GoPro for somebody, and um, 
it was all GoPro and a gimbal that I got. And this was done like a year ago. So this is just after I got the gimbal, and I think I think, I had, it, lo- I think it looks really. Re- I thought that video looked really, really good, and I would be very pleased if I could have that myself. Okay, so you can get that. You can I definitely think, get that. You just I have to put it that. in ProTune, which is the kind of semi-log recording mm-hmm. format, mm-hmm. and then do a bit of post-processing. But here's the thing. Okay, so I'm should start- we be recording? Oh, we are recording. Yeah, you're recording. We're oh, recording. Sorry about yeah, that. that's I okay. Forgot. We can okay. include this. Right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> So, so one of the things that I got recently, which I think is really, really cool, is a gimbal for my GoPro. And it works really p- well because the GoPro is so light and the gimbal is so light that you yep. just do a lot with it. I mean, yeah. you can just walk around with it and do stuff like that. But the thing that's really cool and what I've done is to create a, a jib, a really lightweight, uh, very versatile jib where I take a uh, painter's pole. That, oh, I, that I can extend. Yeah. It's one of those telescopic painter's pole like made out of fiberglass mm-hmm. and got an adapter. It's like a painter's pole to quarter 20 adapter on the end <clears throat> and um, mount the gimbal, mount the GoPro gimbal onto this painter's pole and it's sticking on the end of this painter's pole. And so you, is, is all you're doing is just inserting the handle of the gimbal into the end of this painter's pole? Yep. That's all there is to it? In this case, um, the the gimbal that I have doesn't have a quarter 20 slot. Mm -hmm. So really what I did was I created a little, um, I got a piece of aluminum tubing that fit over the painter's pole. And and I was, I made a little adapter where I was able to screw it onto the top of the painter's pole, which is a standard kind of painter's pole socket. And, And on the other end, I was able to create a little tube that fit perfect, where the gimbal's handle fit perfectly into it. And then I just mm-hmm. tape it up to connect it, so that's pretty sturdy. Mm-hmm. And then I just turn on my GoPro and then extend the painter's pole out to potentially sometimes twenty feet. And I just hold it on the ground and move it around. <laughs> hmm. and I can go from low to high and create amazing jib shots that you. Yeah, it, it, it looked really good on that video that oh, yeah. I saw. I had a couple shots that I did in the parking lot of the place. They just didn't look that good. That were like twenty five feet high, showing the whole parking lot. It was almost like an aerial. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, boy, I, I, I guess you did uh, uh, fire up your drone to, uh, <laughs> to get that because it looked pretty good. Yeah, it's a really, really simple way to to you know. I just had the very stup- effective. Yeah, the stupid little painter's pole um, with the little gimbal, little GoPro gimbal and GoPro on the end, and it's pretty light. It's not dangerous or anything, right? And I did a whole bunch of shots. You know, I did. I, this this shoot, I had so many other shots that I threw away because I just mm-hmm. they they were looked really good, but they weren't necessary for the the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's a really cool technique, and that's one of the reasons that like one of the main reasons I got my GoPro mm-hmm. was to use it for these reasons to get the really yeah. get up yeah. really high and put them on a gimbal. So there's a bunch of gimbals out now. Um, the one I got probably has the funniest name. It's called the Funny Go, and this was back when they how were do you spell that Funny Go, just like it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I see that. Yeah. Hey, that's not too expensive. 179 bucks. Okay, I think I spent like 279 for mine back in the day. But um I would I guess if I were you I might get one of the more modern ones, like the Pilot Fly or the or the Came TV gimbals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um they're a little bit more expensive, but I think cuz they have quarter 20 mountings on the on the bottom and they have maybe a little bit better stability. But the okay. the funny goes, I mean, if you just want one, like the way I used it, 
Yeah. Um, it's a pretty inexpensive alternative. Yeah, you know me. I'm going to go <laughs> as cheap as I humanly can. So yeah, uh, if I can if I can have Arnell build me one, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Using Mr. Lee's, uh, <laughs> instead of using a 50-pound weight, I'll use a 2.5 weight. That's all. I guess I guess I would I would buy one of the electronic gimbals rather than the mechanical one for the GoPro, just because mm, they mm. work really well. Right. Yeah. And it looks really good. Yeah. Yeah, this 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 funny go thing looks pretty good. And right in my wheelhouse, 179 bucks. I might do that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. So, so now the smallness of the GoPro becomes an advantage. Yes, correct. You know, because for, for, for such a thing, yeah. Because if I, I could also do this with a GH four and a, you know, like my came or my um, my uh, Nebula, mm-hmm. I could do the same thing, but it would be a lot harder because it's right. the weight on the end instead of being like a pound is going to be five pounds mm-hmm. maybe, and and then that starts being kind of dangerous and might have to have a crew and yeah, you know, right? No, this, this but this is easy. Yeah. This is easy. I mean, like, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure it took you all of a couple of minutes just to shoot all that stuff, and, and it turned out pretty good. Yeah, it took a couple hours, but no, it was very, very easy. It's And, you know, the client was ecstatic. It's like, how did you get those shots? Right. So. <clears throat> that's great. Yeah. So, yeah, little tricks. No, that's excellent. Yeah. That's excellent. Good. Well, I think that answers my uh, my question of um, whether to go GoPro, one of the competitors, or use an iPhone. You know, while we were talking, I was looking at some iPhone underwater housings. They just look so hokey. They look so hokey. You know, it just it it, it just looks very plasticky, <laughs> like- very. You know, it looks like bumper car uh, uh, housing for for your iPhone. I don't know how you can press anything on the screen once you put it in there. Um, yeah, they, they they conveniently don't show the screen. Yeah, what it looks right. like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know how you're going to control anything. You know, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I think maybe GoPro is probably. Or any of those other knockoff action cameras is probably going to be the way to go, at least for that kind of thing. And also, you're um, not risking your camera. You're not right. risking your phone. I mean, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the the I feel very, very, very like safe with the GoPro underwater housing. Yeah. I feel iffy with the iPhone housings. Right. E- e- even with your swim thing, right? My swim even thing, with- I don't care because it's an iPhone four. Right. But if I had my iPhone six in there. You would not feel great. I, I would feel a little less secure. Right. Like it's my main phone and it's sure. expensive. <laughs> sure. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, the iPhone 4 is now your, your just your podcast only item. Yeah. So. If it gets destroyed, eh. <laughs> I'd be sad for about an hour. That's, that's why we jailbreak. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's why we attempt jailbreaks, knowing that it might brick the phone. <laughs> All right. Well, good. That's great information. Yes. Fantastic. Anything else to add <clears throat> in, in, in this arena? Let me see. To this for this particular segment, um, I would say that GoPro needs to up their game. Really? How much more? Four K? <clears throat> what? What? That? That's not enough for you. They got to have a. They've got to. They've got to um, do a couple things. They got to change their lens to make it a little bit less fisheye. Mm-hmm. They've got to increase their sensor size so you can get a little bit more shallow depth of field if you want. They've got to increase their bitrate recording so that it's not so blocky. Because even in this recording that I did, it looks pretty good because you're like watching it on YouTube. 
But right. when I was watching it, you know, things are going by and stuff. It's you, you see little macro compression blocks, you know, okay. when you're when you're really looking at it, and that that you can't really use that in a film. You know, you can't really use that in a. In a I mean, you could, but you have other cameras that are really smooth and look good. And then you right. insert this thing, and you have to do a lot of stuff to make it look good. Yeah. So they need to if they just increase their bitrate to maybe like a hundred megabits per second for the at least for the four K or maybe, you know, make it variable. Just allow us to have that variability. If we want to save space, make it you know, but then you want to have the super high quality recording, make it a hundred or two hundred megabits. Then I'm just gonna start being happy with the GoPros. I uh I forgot to ask you, low light conditions really terrible not, really terrible not very, because of because of a small sensor size? Really pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. The 4K starts dropping dramatically when the light isn't super bright out. Uh, so, like, as far as underwater goes, that sometimes that can be tough, right? I mean, the deeper you go, yeah. If you go darker, it's going to be. Yeah, are you planning to go really deep with us? No, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, at, at you know, at most, me twenty feet or something yeah. like that. At most, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. It's it's. Okay. It's gonna if you know usually gonna be sw- swimming in a s- situation when you're when it's pretty sunny out, right? Right. So there'll be quite a bit of light. No, I usually like night swimming, night swimming. Uh, with, with sharks and other uh, dangerous uh, <laughs> uh, fish out there. So actually, you take the GoPro. I am Tarzan, by the way. I am Tarzan. So well, I heard that the GoPro makes a really good weapon against sharks. <laughs> Just hit 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 the shark with the GoPro on the nose. <laughs> So, so not a great, not a great, uh, a low light condition camera, which makes sense. You know, not not a great sensor, not a very big one. They probably can't fit one in there. Um, how okay? How about remember how um, we had talked about? Uh, and this has been going on ever since iPhone 4s, and you and we talked about it in a in a past podcast uh, accessory add on lenses to the iPhone, do they not have the same thing for the GoPros that you could, you know, kind of jimmy it and, and attach some sort of lens, you know, to the housing to get, get a better shot? There are tons of accessories for the GoPros. There it, are, it, yeah. in, in, in that area of, of lenses, and have you tried them? I think I have a couple things. I have a polarizer attachment. Um. And I think I have, I think I actually have a little adapter that will add, where you can add regular filters on the front. It's really geeky. I don't think I've ever used it. Mm-hmm. I think I got it because I thought maybe I was going to use it for something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when I was going to be outside and I want to use my nice polarizing lenses and not the crappy little plastic ones that they, right. they sell for the GoPro. Right. Honestly, why not just use a regular camera if you're going to mount all this stuff to it? Okay. Um, right. But you can, you can, you know, the little front part, uns- uh, you can unscrew the little screws and put stuff in there, like extra filters. You can put special filters in for underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even have special lenses to counteract the 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 uh, qualities of water when you go underwater. Because wa- water magnifies stuff when you go underneath. Right. Uh, so I think it counteracts that. So if you're really into it, yeah, you can get tons of literally tons i mean they've had like five years to build up this ecosystem Mm -hmm. of of accessories there's pretty much anything you'd ever want for a gopro you can get okay yeah so that part is pretty cool because if you want to become a a gopro hobbyist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can go there you can get all kinds of mounting stuff you know if you want to mount it to your head to your arm to your chest right that i like 
Yeah. That's stuff I would like. Yeah. Yeah. Little extra mm-hmm. attachments. Not sure about the lens, the lens, you know, if it's worth it to add extra lenses on the front. Mm-hmm. There's even companies that actually will take a GoPro and they'll put a better lens on it. That's like their business. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They actually will take that little plastic yeah. lens off and put a really good one on. But then you're right. Then why not just take your other cameras and just. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, exactly. Because because you're still going to be limited to the guts inside of what it can take, and yeah, then why not get a G, GH4 or something? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Excellent. Very okay. good. Well, uh, I think I'm sold. I'm sold. You're gonna get one. I I I I think uh, I think I am gonna get one. Okay. I think I am. Uh, but again, I'm gonna wait till the uh, GoPro Five comes out, and then uh, <laughs> and then I'll uh, make the purchase. So. It, honestly, there's probably gonna be an announcement pretty soon. That's yeah, my, and that's and you favorite. know, and I and I can't see myself purchasing before any time before this year. I'll probably be buying it early next year or something like that. Yeah. So so yeah, maybe so I'll just wait and see what happens. Yeah, I think the Five is gonna be cool. Okay. <clears throat> it, yeah. You know, well, they. I mean, uh, 4K <clears throat> was a big deal, right? With the yeah. four black, and yeah. so you know, what else can they do? And you know, maybe some of those things will be addressed, and that would be that might make it worth it even more. One more thing that I forgot: stabilization. They need they need to add some stabilization to it. Oh, okay. Because you know you're you're using it. It's really small, so it's not very stable on its own. Right. It's and always it's light, being, so you're shaky and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Exactly, and it's that's why the mounted. gimbal's so important, right? I, th- in my opinion, yes, it's the way to get nice footage out of it. The, another right. thing that helps it is that it's so wide and fisheye that kind of evens out the shakiness. It right. actually reduces the shakiness. Okay. But um, still, I would really like to see some kind of stabilization. You know, maybe optical because I'm not sure if you know they have enough electronic. But maybe, maybe even a. I mean, the iPhone has the iPhone six plus has optical stabilization. Can't they do it? Hmm. Come on, GoPro, yeah. you can do it. Right. Accept right, the right. challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Very good. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's take another break right now, and uh, we've got a lot more coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about a whole uh, bunch of other things. Plus, I think we're going to introduce a brand new segment here on Tech Move. So, uh, Keith, let's uh, let's uh, shut this down for a minute here, and we'll come back. Keith Moreau, Rod Louie with you. This is Tech Moon. Okay, we are back, and we want to introduce a brand new segment here on Tech Move. Uh, it is Rod Louie and Keith Moreau here, and we want to do this new thing. Cute little thing here, and I think it's going to... Uh, Keith has come up with the uh, title of it, and we're going to call it Fix It Even If It Ain't Broke. <laughs> and I believe that that is the mantra that Keith lives by. I don't necessarily do this, but Keith will. I can I, I can pretty much rest assured that if there's a product or thing out there that's just perfect and pristine, 
Keith Moreau's got to take his exacto knife and just <laughs> slice into it and just jimmy it somehow. Keith, am I correct or am I not correct? That is correct. There's, I, I am correct. Room for improvement in anything. Sure. At, <laughs> at least that's what goes on in that head of yours. But let's go with it. Uh, Keith, what do you have for us today to kick off this brand new segment called Fix It Even If It Ain't Broke? Okay, well, here today we're actually going to talk a little bit about um, editing controllers. So, uh, in the in the editing world, you mean like uh, uh, like these uh, fancy dancy keyboards with like the five thousand buttons on it and stuff like that? Yeah, there's there's a lot of keyboards that actually some of the keyboards actually have the commands printed on the keys. keys. Yes, uh-huh. yeah, sure. And I actually a while back I got these kind of keyboard covers that actually had them printed on. You kind of lay it over the top, and then you have a quick guide to to what what does what. Right, like hot keys tells you what to press and stuff like that. Right, right. Yeah, and because every editing software has built-in hot keys, because there's so many commands to do that editors will will tend to learn those and then just quickly go to them. And that's actually you know that's part of what I'm I'm doing now. Um, there's also uh, actual controllers that you know that they, they have the little jog wheels on them and a bunch of different buttons and yep. sliders and joysticks and stuff. And you can buy those and you have to learn those and you have a separate space on your workstation for those. Yep. And I think a lot of editors probably use those as well. And and some of them are and then there's color control uh, surfaces as well. Some of them have like three balls and a bunch of you know for colorists to to do their thing and. And, you know, it even goes into the the audio world. You know, there's oh, yeah. virtual mixing consoles and control surfaces and things like that. Yep, definitely. Um, actually, well, even a while back, I actually had a, had a MIDI uh, mixer control surface, which <clears throat> seemed like a really good idea, but I never used it, so I sold it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and over the years, I actually have gotten, you know, things to help with the editing extra you know, gadgets and things. And I just turned out that it was just this extra thing on my desk because I, I didn't really use it because I actually have, have kind of kind of converted my keyboard as well as my mouse into a, you know, a virtual control surface that works really, really fast for me. Um, so I can just talk about, you know, some of the things I do to, to kind of speed things up. So, um, so of course on the keyboard, the keyboard shortcuts are always there. There's all pretty much every command that you can do in an editor, you know, like in Final Cut or, or Premiere and, and any other uh, non-linear editor, there's just shortcuts. And, and sometimes they're just, you press a key on a keyboard, or you press a command and a key, or, or any combination of them. And there's lots of combinations. And you can just, if you use them over time, eventually you'll you'll remember them and just use them. And and I do use those. Um, and one of the things that I actually did was when I converted for Final Cut 7, it actually has its set of uh, keyboard commands, you know, like zoom in and and uh, make, a, make a cut and, you know, different different um different keyboard commands and i had kind of had those muscle memory yeah so luckily in premiere pro they have a way of of uh, choosing uh the final cut uh set of keyboard shortcuts for the same equivalent commands so i always uh i just transferred that over when i first started premiere pro and i'm still using the final cut 7 commands still um, yeah still using that and one of the reasons was i didn't want to relearn them and they're pretty equivalent there's a couple new ones in premiere pro but they're a lot of the the commands are analogous to Final Cut. Also, I would tend to help. Sometimes I would help other people or have to go back to Final Cut Seven projects. Uh, it's less so now, but even now, there's still unbelievable. There's still people using Final Cut Seven. Sure. You know, even though it's like it was discontinued like five years ago, but <laughs> or more. But um, 
but uh and, and then so I, so in order for me to remember those old commands you know why have to go back and forth in my mind just use one set of commands you know um luckily i don't have to go to too many other people's systems premier pro uh systems to learn their commands but if i did i'd probably just bring my little keyboard template um file over and install it on theirs and totally ruin their system forever <laughs> but <laughs> um so there's a couple applications that i that i use to help me though use the mouse as a controller so i have a it's kind of a pretty uh, pretty simple mouse in a way because it's kind of small and basic but it's actually a seven button mouse and it's got um it's got the the normal uh two buttons it's got you know the left and the right button on top right it's also got a clickable scroll wheel okay so the scroll wheel can you can either scroll um just back and forth or you can press on it and scroll and and when you press on it and scroll it does something different than when you just scroll on top um and then on the sides there's two buttons one on each side for the thumb and then i guess your other maybe ring finger on the other side um i actually don't i use my ring finger or my middle finger to control that um, so when you add, and then there's another little button in the middle underneath, uh, the scroll, the, uh, like towards you from the scroll wheel. Mm -hmm. So with all those control, that's, that's seven different things you can do. And so what I did was early on, and I think I was even doing this in the final cut days. Yeah, definitely was. Um, I got, um, an application that would map the mouse output to uh, keyboard commands. Okay. So for example, in. And I'm going to just open this now. The application that I use is called USB Overdrive. Okay, USB so, Overdrive. Yeah, and I think I I think it's probably still being used. I think it's it's a system uh, preference pane, system preferences. So I'm going to look at my system preferences and look at USB. Okay, so it's called USB Overdrive. I I think it's pretty, still pretty, out. Pretty simple website I'm looking at right now. Yeah, pretty simple website. Pretty simple yeah. app. But it's, actually, uh, very, it's actually ready for El Capitan. That's I'm glad because uh, I haven't really updated it for a while, and it seems to just keep working through all my yeah. upgrades. Yeah. yeah, but basically, it's pretty easy. You can assign it. You can assign different um, mouse things to <clears throat> to uh, different apps. So so one set of mouse clicks doesn't have to affect everything, or you can make it global if you want. Um, I have actually just assigned a bunch of mouse clicks to Premiere Pro. So I'm going to launch Premiere Pro, um, and I am going to look at my settings for Premiere Pro. So let me, uh, let, let me interrupt for just one sure. moment. It's located at usboverdrive.com is the product that Keith is talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, so basically, I just have uh, the left, right, I have the left, button the right button and all these different buttons set to different things so so for example the wheel up is actually the left arrow and the wheel down is the right arrow it's very simple but in premiere pro those two keys actually move the timeline indicator around so if i want to advance a frame if i want to go back or advance a frame i will Oh, you just scroll up. Just scro you, you, yeah. you just use the the jog wheel and uh, and go up, down. Yeah. So when I push push it up, it goes back in time. When I pull it towards me, the roll the wheel towards me, it goes forward in time. Super uh, simple, but it just it just works perfectly. Let yeah. me uh, also interject here and ask you to give us the 
uh, make and model of the mouse you're using? Because uh, I'm just using the good old Apple Magic Mouse. Yeah, the Magic Mouse. Unfortunately, the just the doesn't Apple, do enough. The Apple stuff is really great if you're putting it in a display case in an art museum. Correct. That but, is correct. Yes. <laughs> but if you're actually using it, <laughs> right? It, 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 they're they're no, limited. Nothing much. Nothing yeah. much. Um, the one that I have is a Logitech. I think it's an MX310. I don't think it's actually even made anymore. Um, but they have some. They have a lot of them. They're equivalent. The reason I just use this mouse, and I somebody else was asking, a friend was asking, what kind of mouse should I buy? Mm-hmm. And I basically just said, well, I think the lighter and smaller is the better, as long as it has the functions that you need. Because the, the 310 is, I think, one that came with almost every computer known to man i think it's, it's a real simple it's a real simple mouse right yeah i think it's i think that's the one honestly this the, the labeling is worn off on the bottom so right i, it, I mean i've had well the, it's a silver and black thing yeah and, and, yeah and a scroll wheel and it just has uh uh and i think it has a a, a thumb uh button it has a thumb button and it has an, another button on the other side right yeah. for for your what would be probably middle finger if right. you were to use that yeah so oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. I think I have one of those actually. I think I have the wireless version of it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, either one will work. I have the wired version. Okay. But um, yeah, and mine's actually wearing. I mean, I'm looking at it now, and it's it looks pretty sad, but it's still working well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually did get a couple others in the past, and I still have some other ones that are really fancy with ergonomic curves and stuff. But I find, I personally think that the lighter and smaller the mouse, the better, because then your hand has to do less. You, yes. you don't have to you, just there's less mass so you, you you don't have to strain your wrist moving it around a lot and then just it's smaller so it fits your hand better rather than having to spread your hand out but that's just my opinion um a friend of mine wanted a mouse and he wanted a kind of fancy big one and i said maybe the smaller one's better for rea- real work but he he went for the big one i think he's happy with it but mm. um mm-hmm. yeah so i just have the various things like for example i have the left button to click to to activate the um uh, the uh, sli- uh, razor blade to to cut everything down in a sequence. So uh, I put, if the timeline indicator is at a certain point, I click on the the left like thumb button, and it will make a cut through the whole sequence, all the tracks, right there. That's um, that's really helpful if you can do oh, that yeah. ra- rather than 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 learning the keyboard shut shortcut, especially if you're just using these particular things all the time i know yeah. i know what you mean yeah the keyboard shortcut for this is command shift k right but but <laughs> that's a that's a little bit much yeah yeah i mean you can do it but then you have to take both you have to use both hands for it mm-hmm. you know try not to have sh- shortcuts where i need both hands yeah you know try to and the more combinations of keys and 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 other keys is you know like command and option when you start holding down a bunch of keys like 25 keys plus you know clicking on with your right hand it starts you start losing time you had you add up all these clicks over time it really makes a difference right yeah so um and then another thing so here's another this is a really to me a very very important one there's something called zooming in um in the in NLEs. there's a zoom in final cut pro there's a zoom in in premiere and basically all it is is it's just in, enlarging the area around the timeline or decreasing it Okay, so you can zoom in and you get down to like the sample or the frame level, or you can zoom out and see the whole, the whole. I use that all the time. I use that all the time myself. Right. So what I do is on that same scroll, scroll wheel, I have the click down position be either zoom in or zoom out. So I click down and then rotate the wheel 
If I rotate it towards me, it zooms in. If I rotate it away from me, it zooms out. So useful. And then I can use the unclicked, unpressed version of the scroll wheel to move the timeline indicator around. So just those two things around save me so much time. Yeah. You know, rather than using keyboard cut shortcuts, sure. I'm using just this little wheel. And it's just like second nature to me. It's so fast. Right. So there's a bunch of other commands that I've programmed in that I use less, but those are the, those are like the three things that I use the most on the on the mouse. And then I have another um, app called Keyboard Maestro, and that's a really really cool app as well. You know, over the time, these different apps they've there used to be something called Quick Keys, I think. I don't even know if they're they're around anymore, but um, they they this one is like one of the more modern ones and it seems like the support's really really good. Oh, well, this seems like it's a Mac only um product here. I it must be. Yeah. I didn't really research to see. Yeah, so uh our Windows users beware this is a Mac only product that Keith is talking about. <laughs> okay. How dare you. <laughs> but um anyway, again, it just maps a bunch of keyboard uh commands together to a key. So pretty much one 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 press of a key, there you go. Yeah, and it does it could do a whole sequence of things. Mm -hmm. So for example, I have one uh that's mapped to I do, it does a cut and then it selects everything below that cut and it deletes it. Uh, so it sets up macros for you. Yeah, it sets up macros and keyboard shortcuts. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, yeah. So I use a lot of those. So those two things combined makes just my standard keyboard and my standard mouse, multi-button mouse, a editing controller. I like that very much. That's actually pretty good. That seems yeah. uh, pretty handy. Yeah, it makes me really, really fast. Mm. Yeah. Good. And that's uh, that's what you need in the business nowadays. <laughs> is, uh, not a young man's sport by any, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Got to use all your advantages. That's good. All yeah. your tricks and all your that's right little shortcuts. That's exactly correct. Yeah. Well, uh, that is very good. So, uh, so let's review again. Keyboard Maestro, mm -hmm. and then uh, what else do we have? We also had the uh, USB US overdrive. Oh yeah, USB overdrive. Mm -hmm. Two fantastic products. Uh, one pretty much for Mac only, and that's the uh, Keyboard Maestro. Uh, uh, product there but uh yeah those sound really good especially when you're uh when you keep doing these same things over and over again uh you know why waste time with uh with uh pointing clicking uh shift command z <laughs> all that kind of stuff right i mean exactly you, you got exactly. better things to do Exactly. Like make a sandwich or something. <laughs> I think all the all the mouse clicks and keyboard clicks that I've saved uh, over, you know, ever since I've been using this for, I think I've been doing this, using this particular thing for over 10 years. Um, it's probably shaved, it allowed me to save months, possibly years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we call getting part of your life back, ladies and gentlemen. So, so not only are we telling you all these great tips but we're also enriching your life by doing this so it's good to know i i i now have a purpose so um by doing this podcast so well fantastic great uh so uh we are going to come up 
with more of these little tidbits here uh, in our little segment called Fix It, Even If It Ain't Broke. And uh, <laughs> that segment, of course, stars the great Keith Moreau. Uh, Keith, uh, that was fantastic. That almost bordered on the coma segment, but nonetheless, <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. But no, this was actually quite exciting. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, Okay, uh, fantastic. That's how to turn your mouse into an editing control service. So, uh, uh, Keith, thank you very much. You're welcome, Rod. All right, all right. Uh, look, we're going to put a pause on this, and then we're going to uh, reset and, come, and uh, come back with more right here on Tech Move. So as we come back with more tech move, Rod Louie, and of course the great Keith Moreau, uh, there have been a couple little updates since our last uh, recording session, and uh, so we thought we all tie it all up together, and one that I am particularly interested in is that Keith has done me a solid, and that is uh, to actually test... Uh, the GH1, or in our case, the GH13, why? Because it's hacked. Uh, the GH1 and a speed booster. Mm, yeah. Uh, Keith, I am on pins and needles <laughs> waiting to hear uh, your reviews of such a silly idea that I've come up with. <laughs> okay, so I took my GH13. Which, which was- I'm surprised you haven't thrown into the garbage can. I haven't, you know, it's just, it's on a top shelf. <clears throat> Excuse me. Out of, out of sight, out of mind type of thing? <clears throat> it's in a top shelf. I think it's been in the same bag, you know, for like three years. And you thought it Unused. probably had like Cheetos in it or something like that. <laughs> I actually had the, had the battery. I don't think I even had the battery in the camera. Well, that's a good thing. But uh, yeah, but I took the battery, which I found somewhere. You know, they have these strange, the batteries back then are much different than the ones now. Oh really? Um, yeah, the, the ones now look a lot like they look almost exactly like the Canon typical like 5D Mark II or III or it's called. Um, but anyway, the ones now, uh, the ones back then looked kind of like square cubes, like mm-hmm. rectangles. Anyway, found it, popped it in. Actually, amazingly, the battery had a full charge even after not being used for years. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah oh. that that was very surprising to me. Wow. Oh. Um, just had to update the date and stuff on the camera from 2008 to <laughs> current date. <laughs> right. Uh, or 2009. I'm not sure when we got those. But right. uh, yeah, fired it up, kind of made sure it worked, slapped on oh, the speed booster. I had to do a little thing with the speed booster because I hadn't, for some reason, I hadn't really um, updated my speed booster's firm- firmware, which you actually can do now, at least with this particular one, the GH... Um, Four type speed booster. It's a EOS to GH four, e- EOS to micro four thirds. I right. think is that's what, what they call it. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm sorry. And yeah. um, so I looked online, and they actually have a kind of a very rudimentary app that's either for Windows or Mac. I downloaded the Mac one. Um, you download the Mac one, and theoretically, you uh, just run it and plug in your pl- plug in the micro USB that's on inside the the Metabones adapter. It actually has a USB. Oh, it has one? Port. Really? Yeah, it actually, actually all of them do. Almost all of them do. I didn't know that. Yeah, the older ones have an kind of a different kind of port. Uh, maybe it's a, 
specialty port. But this one actually does have have uh, a standard micro USB, mm-hmm. and um, plugged it in. Nothing happened. <laughs> uh, said oh, okay, and I was kind of suspect that the software wouldn't work anyway because it was so rudimentary. It's like it's one of those apps that doesn't even have an icon. It's like a generic icon and like a box with a name under it. Yeah, like like a box with an A in the middle, and then <laughs> it said Speed Booster or something like that. Or Metabones was the name of the app. Right. Right. So oh great okay, but then I actually just tried a couple different USB micro cables, and one of them worked. So I don't know some of the some of the USB micro cables may not may not work, but keep trying. If you have a bunch, just try a few. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, updated it. It happened pretty quick. Um, and the update, and the reason I updated it was because it seemed like the update fixed the mic, uh, the uh, autofocusing and some other things um, uh, to convert the autofocusing that's on the the GH series or on the yeah GH series to the autofocusing that's on the camera. Anyway, plugged it in, uh, connected various different lenses to it. Um, since we were talking about, I think we were talking about uh, Tamron lenses. That's or right. No, or Sigma lenses. Sigma, Tamron, yeah. Yeah. All, they're all the same. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I have I have a few uh, Sigma lenses, some Sigma primes that I used to use. I haven't used those for years either. But um, plug those, and those in. Are orig- th- those are originally for EOS uh, uh, cameras, right? Correct. Yeah, they were okay. full-frame EOS lenses. Okay. Yeah. And uh, put them, and that's kind of what you want to use with this particular speed booster. So the idea with a speed booster is you take a full-frame lens, it condenses it down t- down quite a bit. This one's, I think, a almost a 0.64, which means it takes the image and shrinks it down times 0.64, you know, which is basically two thirds of the original image. Yes, and then and then puts it onto the uh, the sensor, the smaller GH sensor. Right. And um, anyway, so I tried those, um, and lo and behold. They work perfectly. Really? Yeah. So I just tried it with a series of other lenses. The the stabilization as well as the uh, autofocusing worked. Pretty, really? Pretty, yeah, pretty well. I wasn't super quick, but I didn't expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it actually did work. So um, now this is the older version of Speed Booster, not the Ultra. Right. So so I can't say definitively because you you might want to get the Ultra if you were going to get one. But at least my my. Uh, Standard speed booster does work. So, ah, yeah. and and most importantly, uh, give me a review of image quality and you know uh, the the whole premise of like you know adding another step of light, yeah, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, probably it's not it's not too bad because as I think I said before that probably it's a little bit softer than the ultra, and and that's just because. They were mostly using them to adapt uh, HD video, you know, 1080p video. Mm-hmm. So the quality didn't quite have to be as as super as super sharp as the uh, 4K video. So it's it's probably slightly soft, but you know, it depends on how you're projecting it, and and the, also a lot, a lot of it depends on the source lens. You know, if you're using primes that are really super sharp anyway, it's it's actually gonna look pretty good because it's taking this very very large piece of glass and condensing that down and you know just like anything when you shrink stuff down it looks better like down raising from 4k to hd looks good well kind of you're kind of down raising 
from a full frame lens to a micro four thirds lens. So it doesn't look bad. It's right. Probably, if you're a pixel peeper, it's probably softer than the ultra. You know, it has to be, or else why pay the extra for the ultra? But I would say it's probably okay. So the uh, I, I think what we've learned here is that it works. Night the speed booster will work on my GH one, mm-hmm. uh, and it will turn out a pretty pretty good image. Uh, but I think that another important lesson is that if you're ever going to upgrade later on to a new body, whatever it is, get the speed booster ultra because you're, you, you'll, you'll, you'll just grow into that type of thing. Yeah, I think so. Um, I was looking, the speed booster ultra is, is for the GH series is pretty for, for the micro four, is pretty new mm-hmm. and the reviews I saw on the ultra you know, just the random reviews I looked on BNH and a few others, they didn't have the most glowing reviews. Okay. So uh, I would say, you know, make sure that you look look at the more, most recent reviews, judge for yourself, and then uh, maybe figure out a way to buy it where you could return it if you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be that the Ultra still has a couple little bugs in it because it's so new, whereas the one that I have has been out for a while. So, you know, a couple of years. So it's maybe a little bit more solid and stable firmware wise because mm-hmm. there are electronics in there you know it's, it's actually a little little computer in there doing stuff and um so i can't say for sure about the ultra's total compatibility stabilization and autofocus and, and that stuff but um you know make sure that you can possibly you know return it if it doesn't work for your particular setup but i would say at least for my setup it worked really well i was actually surprised how well it worked and you know you're you're very used to seeing uh uh you know the crop factor uh on a you know on a Panasonic GH series uh did the speed booster just kind of eliminated that and uh uh i mean i guess it's still there but it it but it did make the most out of the canon lens you attach to it correct yeah it definitely makes it seem more like the Canon lens on a full frame. It's almost like using a can a full frame lens on a super 35 sensor. Mm-hmm. Kind of does that. So you get a little bit you it's not using the full uh area of the lens cuz it's only 0.64. If it was using the full area it'd be 0.5, it would be exactly a half. Mm-hmm. Uh which is which is kind of what it's supposed to do. A full frame is is exactly twice as large as the as the micro four thirds. But uh it's close. It's close. It's definitely so, getting wider. So it sounds like something I need to purchase. Speed booster I need to purchase. Whether it's old one, <laughs> new one, I really need to purchase one. Uh, it, it, sound, it sounds great like you're able to use your autofocus and... Uh, uh, um, oh, and what about aperture? Yeah, it controls the aperture quite well. It, it I think it changes the numbers of the aperture, which is interesting. So... Um, I don't. I don't know if it's like a one-to-one correlation of what really is the aperture that's on the on the uh, lens, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it definitely controls the aperture on those electronically. Yeah. yeah, I tried all the different things on it, and it worked pretty good. It worked pretty good. Yeah. Did you Did you try it at all in uh, in a low light situation to see uh, how much of an improvement it made? Um, yeah, I was just doing some tests in my office, which was pretty dark at that time, and you know, it's still probably giving you like a stop um but if you're using a really but you have to use really fast lenses to really take advantage of that correct so that's kind of the reason to do it is is you know there aren't that many super fast lenses for the gh 
or the micro four thirds. Right. You know, normally even the primes don't get that that um, that fast. Right. <clears throat> and uh, so I I uh, have a bunch of primes, and that's the thing that you have to decide if you want to uh, get some fast prime lenses because you're going to be investing in fast you know Canon glass for this. Right. It's not just the speed booster. It's like speed booster plus some some len- other expensive lenses. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And and it's big and it's um but yeah, it's definitely more light sensitive cuz hopefully you're going to be using a fast uh full frame uh maybe even a prime lens on it. And and and, and we're talking at least what a 1.8, at least a 1.8 to be used to to get the most bang out of your buck. Yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. I would say so. 1.8 sure. with a speed booster that'll that'll probably give you a couple stops over what you have now. Actually, you have what do you have on your Panasonic? Uh, I have the I have the kit lens plus the uh, was it the twenty five millimeter one point eight? Uh, is that what it is? The the one eight? Okay. Uh, I don't. So that's a it. prime. Yeah, that's a that's a Panasonic prime. Okay. Yeah. So Which is a nice lens. It, yeah. It's a nice lens, but uh, you know, it's a little it's a little small, little short thing. That's very good. light. Uh, but but good. Yeah, I think I I think I may have seen that and considered getting it. It's not that cheap, right? It's a few hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's like, it was. It, I mean, but it was still right in a great price point that you know it was a no brainer for me. Uh, where I think it was like three ninety nine something like that. Pretty yeah. pretty cheap. Yeah. So you could get you could get something equivalent um, and put a speed booster on it, and you could probably get a one point. You could probably get a 1.4, put a speed booster in, and you get you get a couple stops of of improvement on there. So yeah, the 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 actual thing is it's a 20 millimeter 1.7. Oh really? That's not bad. That's not yeah. bad. Yeah, it's a it's a and and it was only 300 bucks. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's a little bit of a toss up. You know, you're probably you're definitely going to gain a, st- a stop with a speed booster, um, right. but then you have all the inconveniences of. You know, it's gonna not. It's not gonna autofocus as fast, and and all the controls and things are gonna be slower. Here, here, here is what I'm thinking of. What I very much wanted to do, but then you know, then the question becomes, why not just buy the the uh, Lumix lens that you got, right, uh, for your GH4? Uh, you know that that two. I think it's a two eight two four. Uh, what is it? 15 to 35 you got uh you check oh the t- the 12 the 12 to 35 yeah right oh and, that's and a 2.8 uh-huh. it's a 2.8 okay yeah. so buy that or buy a speed booster and get a prime you know with a small zoom something like that nice yeah. glass you yeah know? like get maybe the art the the art uh 1.8 right the sigma face. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, which one do you go with? Do you go with the speed booster and that Sigma Art, or do you just buy a you know, or do I buy a Lumix uh, twelve to whatever it was you said? Thir- twelve to thirty-five. Yeah. Right. You know. So, which one's which? It's really a toss-up. Because they're all they're almost about the same. They're almost about the same. Well, <clears throat> the the Art and speed booster combination is definitely going to be more sensitive to light. And a little, yeah, a little bit faster, right? A little yeah. bit faster there. Yeah, a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. At least probably be, probably be a stop, stop and a half, maybe two stops faster. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so that's, I guess that's significant. That's the difference between ISO 
400 and 1600. Okay. okay, so which is significant? It's pretty significant because when you start getting at least on the GH4, I can't remember on the GH13, but at least on the GH4, when you go beyond 800, mm-hmm. you really are starting to get back. It 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 doesn't look very sharp. Oh, exact same <clears throat> thing with the GH uh, GH1. Yeah, exact same thing. Yeah, anything past 800 is is pretty questionable. Yeah. So, well, now you can do you know ISO 400 and then get the equivalent of 16. So that's 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 pretty significant. Mm-hmm. So, but it's not. It's still not going to be better than your twenty. Well, it's going to be about the same as your twenty millimeter prime. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's. So maybe that's it. So now I've, I've uh, 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 that could be the the nice uh, thing at least to to grow into is a speed booster Sigma Art lens. Uh, because it'll not only go on my GH1, but then my eventual GH20 when I finally save up enough <laughs> money to get one, and uh, and then it'll it'll still work. Yeah, that just make sure like, you can return all this stuff because you could try it out and say, you know, this is just too big. And I might rent it. Yeah, or, or I might come it. over to your house and just try it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I, I, you know, why not? Why not? Do, why not do that? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll force you to bring it to the luxurious Tech Move Studios one day. <laughs> okay. And I'll um and I'll try it there. Okay. Good. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for doing that. Yeah. I, my, my pleasure, Rod. I, I uh, would actually have uh, appreciated more uh, video clips, <laughs> but that would have been uh, too much to ask of you. So. Um, <laughs> I greatly appreciate it. Anyway. <laughs> we can do uh, it. You know what? You should come over here yeah. if you can or are I there and then we'll do some clips and then we'll post them. We'll that some, we'll that would be test. good. Yeah. That 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 might be the way to go. That yeah. might be fantastic. Actually, I might take you up on that if I <laughs> okay. can get a flight to your house. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you can just, you know, there's a helicopter pad, so. <laughs> or or one of your five drones you're not using. <laughs> uh, okay, let's uh let's move on. Software updates. Uh, something there. You you you've got something new. <laughs> oh yes, I've got something new. So last time we talked about the uh, the unsuccessful vlog hack, yes. hack that I wasn't I didn't get in time. Correct. So I ordered ordered the Panasonic one um, over their website and was just kind of waiting for it. And a couple times a FedEx guy uh, came to my house and I wasn't there and uh, left a note because it's one of those things that needs a signature. And I was kind of wondering what it was. I didn't know what it was. And eventually, the guy found me. I was there, and it was this little box, kind of like okay. a like almost like a CD sized box. Um, oh, very and, small. Yeah, and it, and I looked in. It was from Panasonic, and so I knew that's what it was. Right. So I opened it up, and all it is is a little booklet and a little envelope which has some security sealing on it, where when you open it, you like you can tell it's been opened. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then inside is this number, which I will now give to everybody. No, um. it, it, it's, it's the same way Microsoft. Well, how, how they used to uh, for, for your new Windows operating system, right? You'd break the seal of the CD-ROM. Yeah, it's like that. It's and like that. Yeah, it's bad. like thing to make sure that you can't return it and say I right. never opened it. Right. Exactly. Yes. Um, but I did copy the serial number. Um, <laughs> no. Anyway, it's in this thing. It's called a key code, and it's this really long twenty-five digit key code with dashes in between. Very secure. Yeah, very secure. There's a little QRC code on it too. So I guess if you don't feel like uh, entering all those numbers directly, you can somehow scan the QRC and then Correct. somehow transfer that to your computer. I don't know. Yeah. But it was, 
maybe there's some people that actually do that. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so they in the booklet, there's a lot. It's like really, really fine print in the booklet, and there's all these different languages about how to do it. But they, I have it in front of me, actually. I'm flipping through it, and there's just several pages on how to do the update. Oh, my God. So I, I kind of put it aside. I didn't update it right away because I didn't want to ten, spend an hour you know, updating it. But uh, but since we did since we were doing our podcast today, I decided I should update it, and so I could describe the procedure. So <laughs> so last night I did the update, and I and I went to this. There's a couple. There's like there's several websites that are listed in there to go to, and none of them seem to work. But um, I because they're all in Russia. <laughs> Maybe they did work, and I just didn't type it in. But anyway, I I. Uh, found the right website somehow and entered this this thing in and it says invalid oh there's actually another procedure you need to do you need to you need to put a card into your into your gh4 you need to you need to do this thing where you save a serial number from the gh4 onto the card <laughs> then you take the card out put it into your computer take that and you upload it you go to the website you upload that file to the website and then and then you enter this code <laughs> and hardly then, complicated hardly and, and then and then it generates another code called activate.lst or something you have to save that to the card you put the card back into your gh4 and then you choose activate from this menu and then it finds that file and and does the activation so the first time i did it i put the code in it's an invalid code and i put it in like 25 times invalid code invalid code and then there's fine print and saying you don't have to put the don't put the dashes in between the between the the codes, right? Even be, though they're doing the four sets of numbers yes. and the next four sets. Yeah. So I tried it without the. Da- I said, "Okay, great." And then I tried it without the dashes, and it still didn't work. <laughs> 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 so then I went to another site that I found on the web, and then I put the same things without the dashes, and it worked. So I don't know if I was just entering it wrong. If it's actually a slightly different site for my camera, but that that part is, in my opinion, that part's really kludgy. You know, the fact that I had to enter it five times, and I know that I'd entered it at least several times correctly, but another site actually took it better than mm-hmm. the one that was in the booklet. Mm-hmm. So that's something for people to to look into. Like, if your initially doesn't work, try look on the web and see if there's another site for that update. Um, anyway, got got that, finally got this file generated, put it on to my, one of my GH4s, did the activate thing. It seemed like it took, it said, turn the power off and on. And then uh, look, looked in the profile setting, you know, went to the menu, looked at the profiles, and looked, and lo and behold, down there was a V-log profile. Ah. Yeah, so I did add it. And I went, so, and I went, so, you were, so you were quite happy, at least with that. At least it actually worked. Yes. That was, you know, paying $100 and spending an hour, you know, banging your head against something, it's better, it better work. Right. So, Doesn't give you a lot of confidence, yeah. initially. But then, you know, since I have another GH4, I wanted to see if that same code would work on the other GH4. And so mm-hmm. I put that card in and tried to activate it that way, and it's an invalid um, update. That's somewhat darn. So I said, well, I wonder if I just go through the same procedure, but then serve this, save the serial number thing from that camera, and then mm-hmm. go to the same website and do the same thing with the same code I have. Mm-hmm. And I tried it, and actually it did work. Nope. So so one, I guess one update, and that that's kind of, in a way, that's not the best copy protection, because um, that means that as long as you have this code, you can update any GH4. You know the code that I have. Right, it seems like it'll up- update not just not just your particular serial number, but all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but for me, it was good because now I have two 
GH4s with log installed on them, and and that's it. So I have so, yet to shoot with a log, <laughs> <laughs> and and don't know how it really works yet. But don't know how it really works. Uh, although, okay, so here's the thing. I actually since I was waiting so long for the actual log thing, I was just looking on um, a really good forum for for all kinds of camera stuff. It's called DVX User. Yep, and it's kind of a misnomer because originally it started for the DVX cameras back like in the in the in the 2000s, like the mid 2000s, the DVX DVX right. 100, yep. and then it just expanded to all kinds of cameras. I mean, even other brands. So, sure, but um, so they have a really a really active community there. You know, there's probably a lot of you know 15 year old kids, but of course, there's also a lot of experts. So, I went there, and there was which are really, the 15 year old kids? Probably, the they probably so, all are. Yeah. Um, and I do occasionally post and ask questions on there. I do get, and there it's kind of funny because the just the overall tone of the forum is kind of, it's kind of um, combative and and immature right. in a lot of cases. Sure, which happens. Uh, other forums like DV Info are much more mature, like more professionals. But there's a lot less posts. Right. So in a way, it's just I don't go there as much because it's not as informative. Right. But um, anyway, went there, looked, and just found this thread um, by this. The user is named Balazer. B A L A Z A R. Okay. Or B B no B A L A Z E R. It's in the notes here. Um and his website is jbalazar.com. Uh though his website's pretty pretty minimal. Anyway, he yeah. just posted this thing saying um the basic tone of the thread was let me see. Actually I'm gonna just look at look at the actual thread name. It's called a fully logarithmic color space for cine like D and V log L. So he actually had done some tests. He, he, I guess he had gotten the hack, right? So he had mm-hmm. this a while back. He had gotten the V log hack and he noticed that the V log hack was not that great. Uh, or just the V log in general was not that great. Like it, it theoretically was okay, but it actually had a lot of issues. Um, and <clears throat> like, like in, in proper color, um, representation actually a lot of distortion in certain magenta areas like you get get kind of like noise basically extra noise when you didn't we really didn't have it before on the other profiles and the noise was bad so um so he actually set out to try to actually create a LUT that would take the standard uh sending like d profile which is the closest to log and this uh-huh. is the one that i used to use before i changed it to something else just because I couldn't get the color right, colors right. So Cine like D is probably the most dynamic reach you can get on the camera, but the colors are bad. Right. So, but so it's flat, right? It's flat. It's, it's pretty. It's not. It's not as flat as Vlog. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's not as flat looking as Vlog. Well, as it turns out, it's probably actually able to get at least as much dynamic range as Vlog, but in a little bit larger um, bit space. Like more bits are used for. It, it uses the whole luminosity range from 0 to 255 mm-hmm. whereas vlog i think compresses stuff so there's a little bit of uh, wasted area at the top and the bottom um so it so i guess if you wanted the most dynamic range you would use the cine like d but it was just too hard to get the colors back to normal mm-hmm. so anyway this guy set out to make a lut to process um cine like d and turn it into log um but in a but in a wider luminosity range and then another let to convert that log back to something that looked normal. Um, so he did this, and he had this very pompous kind of attitude. I've done it. I've done this. Here's 
and you and it only costs fifteen dollars for this lot. Uh-huh. So he wrote, he wrote, he's obviously spent a lot of time on it, and then it, it and then I looked at the thread and it had like hundreds of 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 uh, posts in it. There's a lot of discussion on this thread. Mm. It was like eight pages long or something. So I started reading it, and then initially his first his first lets people just said this is garbage. You know you shouldn't <laughs> be so pompous about it. <laughs> uh, and then there were be- people back and forth, just like not even related to the technical issues. Like, don't call him, you know, don't don't call him an idiot. He's try- at least he's trying, and it just <laughs> just a whole bunch of stuff back and forth. Yeah, she was one guy. You know, one guy says, "Thank thanks for wasting my fifteen dollars." Bye. Right. You know, but then it was funny because this one guy who actually is is apparently a pretty accomplished cinematographer and director. Mm-hmm. He actually, even though he was the most rude, he was actually the most helpful to this guy. Because oh, he actually, really? yeah, he actually tested his his LUT, and he just said it's it's lacking here, it's good here, um, and so everybody was kind of was was kind of uh, saying don't pick on him. This guy was actually the most helpful, mm-hmm. and luckily the original guy that invented this thing uh, was pretty open to it. You know, he realized the guy was helping him, even though he was pretty harsh. Right. You know, it's kind of I don't know if you've seen that movie Whiplash, but um, I have. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind yes. of like that. It's like how harsh do you need to be to, you know, strive for excellence? Right. And uh, it was kind of like that happening on this thread. <laughs> so <laughs> so this kind of, this LUT kind of went through this trial by fire, but everybody commenting in a kind of sometimes positive, but sometimes really, uh, really insulting way. Sure. And eventually this guy came out with something that's pretty good. And, and the guy that was telling him he wasted his money in the beginning says, now this is actually the, doing this combination is way better than the, than than taking uh, Panasonic's V-Log mm-hmm. and using it. Um, so I actually did download the the LUTs, and I'm going to try to use... I'm going to try to see if Cine-like D, along with um, using his LUTs, is actually going to produce a good image, because that wouldn't be too bad if I could do that. And I tried it yesterday. I installed the LUTs into Premiere Pro, which is mm-hmm. kind of a very... To be honest with you, it's it's actually a very... It's it's a very um like it's it's more complicated than it should be. <laughs> right. Which is strange. But basically you have to go in on the on the Mac at least, you have to go into the app and then inside on a Mac, the the app itself actually has a bunch of stuff in it, but the Mac kind of makes it invisible. It just shows you the app. Mm-hmm. But if you right click on an app in the Mac, you can actually say it there's a thing that says show package contents. Oh you're right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then I inside use that all the time. Okay, yeah. And then in that is a whole bunch of stuff. And then it happens to be that the LUTs are stored in one of the folders in there. Um okay. through the what's called the Lumetri system. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I just copied all these things called their dot cube files from this guy named Balazar. Um and I copied them into this folder and then I was able to select those LUTs when I was inside the Lumetri filter. Mm-hmm. Um Lumetri is just um it, it's their new uh color grading system. That allows okay. for use of LUTs and other very high quality color grading, sophisticated color grading schemes. So anyway, so I tried it. Um, his his system requires two two passes, or two two sets of LUTs. One one LUT to turn it into log. So when I pl- first applied it to the some footage, it looked you know terrible, all gray and everything that log tends mm-hmm. to look like. Mm-hmm. But then then he has another LUT that takes that and then turns it into a different color space. So and then it looked okay. So now I'm going to try it on some actual footage that I shot. So, and yeah. and and so we're hoping, of course, that this is going to be 
what you've been waiting for. How long have you been waiting for this? <laughs> it's been a while, right? Well, since I got the GH4, I always thought that the dynamic range was not that great, and then the colors were not, were not that great. Right. Apparently, this really fixes the skin tone color issues. Okay. Color, just in general, is skin tone color is always the indicator if a camera is good or not. Okay. And in my opinion, the Canons always had the best skin tones out of the box. Mm-hmm. Like they just seemed to capture them really well, and you didn't have to fiddle with it too much. All the other cameras need a lot of fiddling. Like the Sony cameras, for some reason, they're always greenish or 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 magenta-ish. Mm-hmm. Like they just don't look real. And then same thing with the the Panasonics are always kind of greenish. I notice. Even okay. on their camcorders back way back when. It's kind of weird. It's like, why don't you just focus on getting that right? You know, it seems like they'd sell a lot more more stuff if they just got that right. But anyway, this guy apparently get, got it right. And I actually believe him because I looked at the way that they're de- dealing with V-Log. And then they have, they have pictures where they blow up the images so you can kind of see the defects in mm-hmm. V-Log versus mm-hmm. this other one. And, mm-hmm. and it really is there. Um, so I may not, even after going through this tr- all this trouble to get the Panasonic V-Log, I may not actually use it. I may just yeah. use this this free thing. <laughs> but, Which would uh, be terrific. <laughs> yeah, so I would encourage people to look that up. So his, look on DVX Info and look for uh, this post by Balazer, and we'll, I'll put it in the show notes so that people can find it. And then, you know, give me your feedback on whether you think it works. Okay. Yeah, and, and the thing that's also kind of cool, okay, here's another thing. That I think another advantage to this when you when you're looking at vlog in in the Panasonic, I mean, if you choose the vlog profile in the GH4, it looks bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really focus very well. You can't see how the scene looks like. So you almost have to look at it through a monitor that has a LUD in it that's going to make it look better again. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you don't have a monitor, it's going to be kind of hard to to know what you're filming, and it's going to be hard to expose it and and just a lot of things. You know, using log is is as a pain. Unless you have an external monitor, or if you have a um, if you have a camcorder that actually has an internal LUT type mm-hmm. facility, some of them do. So, so uh, if, so in a way, using this Cine like D, which is more like reality, it gives you a little better representation, and it just on site allows you to to do everything better uh, to get the exposure right and to get the look right more. So. I don't think I don't see any disadvantages. If, as long as it has the same or better dynamic range than Vlog, there's no reason not to use it. So, but I'll I'll do some tests and report back. Excellent. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it'll be sure be funny if uh, you waited all this time, <laughs> paid all that money, looked at that stupid uh, that that uh, uh, code <laughs> and you went with the free thing <laughs> that's what happens though isn't it sure you know of course sometimes of course. the things that you pay for aren't as good as stuff that's free yeah you yeah just, you just have to get the you have to get the right one you just have to get the right one and do, do your research and for most yeah. people the vlog thing is probably easier right because because there's going to be a lot of support for it in fact like film convert and some other uh i think i use film convert if I'm not mistaken, um, to uh, to do a lot of the grain and stuff on my film, and they actually already have a, a built-in one for this vlog. They have mm-hmm. a lot of them for the other log formats. Now yeah. they have a built-in. So you know, there's a lot of support for the vlog. You know, right. and and it's kind of universal. So that part's good. Bad part is if the vlog itself is not that great of a vlog log format. So anyway, so 
Excellent. That, that's the end of that story. Well, you no, know, that's uh, actually it's really not. So uh, <laughs> no, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really not. But let us move on to additional news that okay. we have. Okay. And I believe that you've heard something new about uh, drone regulations. Oh right. Yeah. Actually, earlier this week, um, the the government or the FAA actually released some new information about drone that'll be really important to drone users mm-hmm. because for the, for the longest of times the the federal government really has not known, known what to do about drones. They know that they're potentially jan- dangerous, Yes, but they, their, their rules and everything are terrible. Like, like they're really like very convoluted. They, they don't really know yet. Yeah. Anything. They really, they really don't know. And, and actually Europe is much more advanced when it comes to drones. They actually have a licensing system. They put you through a test you know, because there's a lot of professional videographers that want to use drones for their stuff. There's like wedding videographers and other people yep. that where it's really useful. Yeah. Um, but I do agree that you know you should have some kind of test or some type of some type of regulation on them. Right now, it's just yep. it's just a free for all. Correct. <clears throat> so anyway, they came out with this thing saying that in the future, probably by the end of the year, there will there will be mandatory registration for drones. Mm-hmm. So, well. That's about all it said. <laughs> it didn't. I mean, it did say it did give you some safety rules. Basically, it said that it, it don't don't fly them commercially. Um, but if you do fly them, uh, here are some rules. You know, don't fly near an airport. Don't you know fly safely. Make sure it's in line of sight. You know, a bunch of rules. So, so that's you know that's just common sense, really. Yeah. Um, I guess the issue is, and you can you and I can discuss this. Is the registration really going to amount to anything? And what is what is it really good for? Yeah. You know, and so I guess I would like maybe like your thoughts on it. Yeah. Well, you know, I I think it requires some sort, it obviously re- requires some sort of skill, uh, you know, to do this. And I do think that there, it, you know, I almost equate the, the drone thing as when, uh, when laser pointers uh, came out, right? They're, oh, yeah. they're 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 pointing them everywhere, and now it's affecting you know uh, aerospace and all this kind of thing, and uh, so now there's bans on all this kind of stuff. Drones are you know not exactly lasers, but they do get in the way of certain things. You know some of these folks who are flying them, whether especially and and we're not talking about like DJI drones or anything like that. I'm talking about like these drones that. You can buy at like Toys R Us oh, yeah. for your, for you know for your six year old with a you know cheap little camera on it that you know that essentially does the same thing that we're using it for, correct? Right. That can fly into like telephone poles or electric poles or whatever, and and cause a problem. I yeah. I, I think you know I think that's a real issue. Yeah, yeah, I think it is an issue. And is the registration actually going to help anything? What do you think? You know what? Of course, it. Uh, I don't think it will, but I think what it will do is that it will uh, it will draw attention to uh, that not everyone should just use these RC controllers everywhere, right? You know, I I don't think it'll do. I you know I think you know there's too much fun to be had. There's too many you know people are going to say, oh, I'm not going to go that high. I'm not going to go as high as those guys or whatever it is. But uh, it's just like you know when somebody buys the Lamborghini. Oh, I'm not going to take it over sixty. <laughs> 
Because going over 60 is illegal. <laughs> right. You know, uh, you, you know, oh, I'm never going to do it. Of course you're going to do it. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to do it, you know, maybe not every day, but you're going to do it. And and same thing with drones. You're going to you're going to take it up. You're going to fly over the, the molten lava. You're going to, you know, uh, 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 try and get that earth shot that you wanted, uh, you know, and see what happens. You know, uh, Just like that. Uh, was it? There was that one. Uh, I forgot what the commercial was, but it was for some vendor, and I, I won't throw out a name either. Where, where, uh, when lightweight cameras like the GoPros came out, and they attached some sort of, uh, I don't know, like a, uh, like hot air balloon to it or something like that, and then they tracked it and went all over the universe with their <laughs> four wheel drive and stuff like that, and then it landed on top up top Everest or something like that. And it was just, and they were so rejoiceful when they got it back and stuff like that because the footage was so terrific. You know, everyone's going to try that too. You know, everyone's going to try that. There's just going to be more of them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting. Well, the registration and it's just like anything, right? It's like even gun registration or anything that's, you know, a car or whatever. What is the registration actually doing? Well, it's, it's making, I guess it's making the law abiding people, think a little bit more about yeah about what they're doing that's right just that extra step yep. and that and then if they what what kind of fine like like say you're flying a drone and then a cop comes over and says, could i see your registration for that drone and <clears throat> if you didn't get the registration then you might get a fine and you might get your drone confiscated right 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 <clears throat> so what are you going to do you're going to fly where there's no cops <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> or if, right. you, if you think about flying and there's a cop around you're going to go somewhere else um I mean, I would probably do that anyway, even if I had registration. <laughs> I probably would be flying in the cop's face, right? Right. So, um, for the people that are not possibly not well intentioned, they're not going to they're not going to register and say, "I'm here. I'm a criminal." <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Exactly. If this drone flies into something, you know, will you find me or not? Right. <clears throat> um, so I think it's just. I don't know if it's going to be that effective in in preventing bad stuff, but it might be effective yeah. in making people think about. Like think twice before doing bad stuff, and 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 I agree with you on that. I I, I think that that's I I think that that is key. I, you know what I think really needs to happen is like what we're, you know, uh, what you're kind of thinking about as far as the different types of drones, right, that are available. You have the fantastic ones that you and I review here on this podcast that can do amazing things, but then you get the ones that you can buy at. Yeah, at you know, sharper image, yeah, sharper image, or yeah. something like that. And, you know, are, are are those two the same? You know, someone who's going to buy a DJI drone, I, I'm going to guess nine times out of ten, you're kind of going to know how to to work it and, and work it in a way where they're not throwing away their money that they're spending on this unit. That's true because it's a it's like a thousand dollars to get something. Yeah, and you're not yeah. you're not you're not just fooling around with it, but. You are going to fool around with the one that that they have at the shopping mall in the middle of the uh, uh, shopping mall in those little kiosks mm-hmm. when they're flying around and you know they're they're just identified as RC controllers. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell me that some kid's not going to hook up his little you know cell phone to it, you know, with with rubber bands and duct tape <laughs> to try and get that going. That's true. That's true. you know, yeah. And so, is that little kid just gonna gonna going to register that no you know, he's maybe, not maybe because in or- it's an rc controller yeah 
I mean, I think if they really wanted to be effective at this, they would they would require the manufacturers to register all the purchases. Like before you can even turn the thing on, you have to go to a website and enter all your information. Yeah. I mean, if they really, really wanted to 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 really monitor this. And some of the companies actually do that. A DJ actually do that. In order to even start flying the drone, you have to, a DJI drone, you actually have to go to their website and enter your information. I and like then, that. Yeah, yeah. And it gives you some kind of, it's probably like the Panasonic firmware update procedure. You really have to <laughs> put your serial number in. And right. Three hours later, you have a working drone. Right. The party's over, but you can fly. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're, you're but, ready for takeoff now. <laughs> Uh, but that's actually good. And but should they require that of all drones, even the even the Toys R Us drones? Yeah. So maybe you know maybe they should because it may- is a dangerous thing. May- maybe or you know or that or somehow mechanically they're going to have to put a limit as far as you know how much power it can generate. You know how how high it can get off the ground. Right. Right. That's true. There's uh, yeah. I think that's and when I heard a discussion before from somebody else about this, it was it would be like how much impact it could potentially have, like how much kinetic yeah. energy it has. Yeah. Which is the speed times the weight. Yeah. So yeah. So uh yeah, because larger ones will tend to be more destructive. Sure. So. Because because they can go further, farther, all this kind of stuff. And they're heavier and when they sure. fall if they fall out of the sky they could hurt more people. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh you know, I, I you know, it's it's there's going to be all kinds of different things that have to be investigated. And, you know, we're not going to know that until some lady's wig gets knocked off because of the loss of control of a drone. Yeah. And, and it still, to me, does still does not address the commercial aspects of it. You know, yeah. like if you're a wedding videographer, sure. Um, what do you do? Yeah. Well, right now you have to essentially get a pilot's license. Yeah. You know, so that, that, I mean, legally, there's a lot of people doing it illegally, but you know, but like in the United Kingdom, uh, they actually you can go th- get a test. You know, you you pay a fee, and then you have to take th- you have to go to some kind of licensing, government licensing place, and you fly the drone in figure eights and do different things related <laughs> to control the yeah. drone, and then they pass you like a driver's test, you know, yeah. like a like a vehicle test. So that's not bad either. I uh, actually what? don't mind that at all. Yeah. I don't. I don't mind that uh, that thought process at all. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind doing that. I mean, yeah. right now I'm actually kind of afraid to fly my drone. Yeah, you know, I I, I I I need to. In fact, I still have not flown my drone that I got three years ago. Well, and I, and I think that that goes back to what 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 uh, uh, we were talking about just a few moments ago, right? You're spending a certain dollar amount. You don't want to waste it by just crashing it on first try. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas. You know, the child who has the, you know, the, 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 the more, you know, the one you get out of the air mall magazine, uh, you know, when you're on the plane, when you, when, when you go through that thing, you say, ah, look, there's a remote control little helicopter there with a camera attached to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to buy that, you know, for 50, 70 bucks, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're more inclined to just use it and just try it. Yeah. 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 You know, what's that? So, uh, Hey, fascinating discussion, and uh, you heard it here first on 60 Minutes. So, um, uh, oh, hey, uh, as we move to uh, our, our next little subject, uh, give us an update on uh, the A7S II. Uh, my only update is that it's actually shipping now. We have a date? It's actually shipping now. This, uh, as we speak right now? Yeah, I think it's shipping now. Like, I think if you go to B, let's go to B&H right now. 
Okay. And let's let's look that up. Let's see, I'm looking it up. Yes. Body only. Okay. Mine's coming soon. Coming soon, yeah. I th I guess it's it's shipping October 28th. So probably by most people listening to this it'll be out. Okay. But uh 3000 yeah. bucks. 3000 yeah. bucks body only. 3000 bucks. And actually I am considering it. Again. I am considering it strongly. Yeah. Okay. Kind of because it's got four it's got okay, so here no, nothing against the GH4. Terrific camera. Sure. But but to be honest, the images out of the A7 are better than GH4. Okay. Um it's just it's a full frame camera, the sensor's bigger. It's just that's that's probably pretty much it. Hmm. The problem with my A7S right now is it doesn't record internal 4K. Right. So exactly. whenever I want to do any kind of gimbal shots, I'm using my GH4. Um, Size-wise and weight-wise, they're pretty similar. Uh, in fact, I think just physically, I think the Sony's a little bit smaller, surprisingly, <laughs> even though mm -hmm. it's a full-frame camera. Mm -hmm. If I had my choice, I would probably fly, fly an A7 in 4K if it recorded internally on my gimbal mm -hmm. rather than the GH4. So just for that. Um, and then just all the other little things I use my A7S now. Like today I'm going to do it, use it on a second shooter to do a kind of a moving close-up on somebody's face. And right. I'm going to, I'm going to put that, that, um, that Sony onto that, that close-up because it's good for close-ups. It's, it, it, you know, whereas I wouldn't use the GH4 necessarily, you know, that the image quality is good for wides which is what I use it for, but not necessarily the close-ups. Well, if I got this A7S II, I record in 4K, and I can make it a little bit wider, you know, like maybe instead of a close-up of their face, you know, maybe from their mid-chest up. But then if I wanted to crop, I could still get that close-up. I'd have, I'd have a little bit more variability, more, more versatility mm -hmm. by having that 4K. Mm -hmm. In addition, it has the built-in sensor stabilization. So I could put, I wouldn't have to put a stabilized lens on it. I could I could I could choose a unstabilized lens and still rely on the in-body mm -hmm. stabilization. And also it's a little bit more light sensitive even though it's using the same exact sensor. Um and then I've heard that the colors are actually better. Um and and uh, the log recording is actually better. So I'm I actually am strongly considering it. And uh so will you wait till the 28th to make that decision or are you going to pre-order and uh and just roll with it? I'm not sure. I'm going to contact my friends at Texas um, Media Systems. What are they called now? Uh, Terry Nixon is the guy's name. Let me just look him up. Name dropping, are we? <laughs> I think I'll probably mention him on, on Twitter when I okay. broadcast this podcast. Right. Yeah, Texas Media Systems. They're they're really cool. And it's kind of, instead of like de dealing with B&H where it's just nameless, faceless company which mm. of course i do order stuff from there all the time because it's so easy um for big stuff i tend to order it through texas media systems through my my friend terry terry nixon or ron nixon mm -hmm. they're the i think they're the owners i think they're related <laughs> so uh if they're not hey they will be after this podcast so. <laughs> um yeah i'm just see see what's because usually it on the rare stuff usually saves one for me if i tell them to Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that that that'll be interesting, and uh, and then I'll I probably I probably wind up selling my A7s. Oh, you, you know. think so? I think so. I I could probably sell it. Not for, the G, not to GH4s. 
No, I, I'd still... Well, You still think the GH4s have usage? Yeah, I definitely think they have usage, mm-hmm. um, and especially in the wide mode. Yeah. And and I got two of them, so... Right. <laughs> but those are kind of my, you know, less... I mean, they are talking... This thing's almost three times as expensive as GH4. Right. So, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and it, the image quality is... It's pretty good, uh, especially when we use these new LUTs and log formats that we're using. It might even be better. So yeah, I'm not going to get rid of those, but maybe replace my current A7S with the A7S2. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll let you know. Keep you posted. Uh, keep me posted. Uh, that that is very very exciting. Well, um, I think that's it, Keith. Yeah, I think that's it for this episode. I think that's it. Uh, we want to thank you for hanging out with us, and uh, we also want to remind everyone as we draw this little episode to a conclusion here where you can reach us and you can reach us always at our website, which is techmovepodcast.com. We also appreciate uh, support uh, for the website and the podcast. And you can do that uh, by contributing uh, by going through our little Amazon little link. And the way you get there is techmovepodcast.com slash Amazon. And what that does is that uh, just gives us a couple of shekels to keep this darn thing on the uh, uh, on the internet airwaves, <laughs> uh, which is always a great thing. We also encourage you to please subscribe to us on iTunes and uh, give us some positive reviews. Never negative reviews, ladies and gentlemen. Always only positive. And only five stars. Only five stars. We, <laughs> we can do nothing less. Uh, Keith, how else can they reach us? Um, I guess on Twitter, it's at TechMovePodcast. Okay. And so, yeah, I, I I try to Twitter a little bit, especially when we release the the upcoming episodes. And yes. try to include in, in the Twitters kind of what we're going to cover with, with some of the hashtags. So... Yeah, at TechMove Podcast. That's how you can reach us. Excellent. And I mm-hmm. believe we also have a Facebook presence still, and that's at TechMove Podcast. That's correct. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, Keith, I want to thank you so much for uh, being here with me to help steer this rudderless ship. <laughs> You're welcome, Rod. Uh, it's been a great time. And ladies and gentlemen, we always, uh, again, thank you very much for joining us. We've had a terrific time. Rod Louie here, uh, along with the illustrious Keith Moreau. We are going to sign off right now, and we'll encourage you to listen to our next exciting episode of Tech Move. See you, everyone. See you, everyone.